Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slam Fire Radio, episode 304 for May 16th, 2019. I'm Winnie Oh, fun of Kelly Lynn. <laughs> Very, very slick. And I'm Ethan Show. <sighs> I'm Trevor. For a lot. Purpose. I'm Trevor for a lot. Yes, the for a lot day. And Hi, everybody. <sighs> Matthew's not here tonight. What are we saying he's doing? <laughs> Who cares? It's spring and it's warm. And he's flying a plane. Chances are. Like, you should have seen him. I, I Last week, I forgot to mention this. He wasn't on. We shot a match together in Woodstock. It was the first outdoor match of the Ipswich New Brunswick season. And Matthew came. He was miserable, man. Like, he was just unhappy. <laughs> two things. One, he was uh, feeling under the weather. And two, he was constantly looking up going, wow. Hmm. I could be flying. Not a cloud in the sky. Hmm. Not a drop of wind. Feel that? Huh. That's zero zero kilometers an hour right now. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, Why don't we talk about what we did in guns this week? Let's get going. You guys good? You're the yes. host. Okay. What we did in guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center. It's Canada's premier firearms retailer. They have uh, the Mako strip blowers for $219. <sighs> <laughs> $219. That's not bad. That's not bad for Demaco strip blower. So, for the listeners who may or may not be aware, Demaco is a Canadian company, family-owned company. They're linked with Colt. They make amazing barrels, and uh, these are Canadian AR lowers, the same ones that. Uh, well, well, would these be? Canada. They are Colt Canada. Sure. Okay, Demaco yeah. is Colt Canada. Demaco yeah. is Colt Canada. So these would be the same. The same one. Well, if you get this lower, your rifle is no longer an assault rifle. It's a patrol carbine. Yes. Yeah, because it's the one the Mounties use. It's a yep. peacekeeper rifle because that's primarily what Canadians are doing with their rifles. <laughs> Keep the peace, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're also very good. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. Trevor, what did you mm-hmm. do in guns this week? Um, I went to the range twice with Snuffy. Uh, once decided in my Savage A17 because gopher season or groundhog season is upon me. I haven't had a chance to get a shot on one yet but i have seen one actually believe it or not on the way to the range typically they're in fields around here but um anyway i say i zeroed that rifle in with the a17 ammo at 100 meters and shot some really nice groups i don't know maybe i was expecting a bit nicer with the you know the boyd stock okay. the, so what do you mean by nice groups what, what um this is the semi-auto 17 hmr right that's correct it's not going to be as good as your BVTS. No, I guess not. But I've seen uh, videos. On, well, one video in particular, a guy who had one, he put it in the plastic stock and it immediately got better. He took it out of the plastic stock, put it in the boys, immediately got better. And every once in a while, he get a flyer. So he bedded it and sucked those flyers in. I was also getting flyers. But I tell you, one of the issues with that rifle is the, um, the AccuTrigger, that little Glock-style safety thing. 
Uh-huh. That needs to be addressed. Somebody told me you take a small nylon zip tie, tie wrap, and you depress it, put the tie wrap through the back, and you get that out of the equation. It really messes with it with your trigger press. And I think every time I had a flyer, it had something to do with that messed up trigger. So I'm hmm. going to give that a go. Um, so, yeah, so they were mostly MOA and sometimes a flyer, I think. I don't know. I guess I was hoping for a bit better in MOA. But I was getting MOA just a little over MOA. There was a couple of, like, I'd have, like, three touching, and then one would go, like, a half inch away. And then every once in a while, I'd really have one. I'd lose one, like, two inches away. But I'm pretty sure that was the trigger. So I'm looking forward to holding that uh, trigger safety thing back and going out and trying again. The other time that Snuffy and I were at the range was to test fire my AR-10. I finally got my Stag-10 to the range and my M305. So my M305, uh, when I first got it, I sent it to my gunsmith in Fredericton who built my Garand, and he did a whole pile of work to it. He did a trigger job. He did some accurizing stuff to like the national match spec. He cleaned up the op rod system, straightened everything. He also unitized the gas system, got rid of that Norinco front sight, put a Springfield front sight and muzzle brake on it. Uh, and it was awesome. And then I went to Filthy's one day and Filthy had an actual Springfield M1 or um, M14 stock laying on my bed in the guest room when I arrived. And this is like the real deal. It's got the cutout for the selector and stuff. It's it's roached. It's beat up. It looks like it's been to war. You can see the cartouche on it. It's awesome. Put the rifle in it and the accuracy dropped off. Then you can't remember last week, um, Mike from Bloke on the Range was talking about stocking up and mm-hmm. how important it is to make sure that the firearm fits into the stock. Um, I brought it to Chris and Chris is like, well, here's your problem. You get some binding here and some contact here. So Chris relieved what needed to be relieved and built up what needed to be built up and stocked it up. So um, it's shooting between three and four inches iron sights at 100 with Norinco steel case ammo. And I really don't think I can expect much better unless I start hand loading for it, which it's not really worth doing. Um, it will feed steel case ammo reliably it'll shoot three to four inches with was iron shooting, sights was it shooting better before uh no 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 before in the plastic stock yes well i don't know adriel to be perfectly fair i never really printed any groups mm. with it uh, of note so and i say three to four inches mm, i should have taken some pictures closer to three than four how's that mm-hmm. but i'm trying to not you know blow sunshine up your butts here and tell you I've got the most accurate M14 or M305 on the planet. Um, I'm sure the standard of accuracy for those things wasn't, you know, much more than that. It's still a Chinese milser with iron sights. So, uh, Also, the target I used was not really conducive. It's definitely a target made for a scope. I didn't have one of those square targets with the one-inch MOA cubes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't you know. It was like a... Hold under at 6 o'clock. Like I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. You know, basically the circles, it's a sheet of paper, a rectangular sheet of paper with six scoring faces on it. And oh, okay. yeah, yeah. The, I basically I'm shooting at the center of that piece of paper mm-hmm. and trying to hold in the same spot every time. See what kind of group I print. So, um, and then the air 10. So I didn't have any good quality ammo available. John did have some X metal 308, which was fantastic in it. Um, but all I brought with me was the steel case stuff. And I was kind of, ho- I know I've got a, you know, I've got a match grade barrel on the rifle, right? 
So what am I doing feeding steel case ammo uh, into it? Well, it's what I had, and I just wanted to uh, cite it in roughly with that. Um, scope was way off. I used, uh, I got it on paper, and uh, I tried some of my bolt action ammo through it, and 45.5 grains of Varget was way too, way too hot for a gas gun without an adjustable gas block. It did not like that, did not shoot very well with it. Uh, it shot fairly the good. Accuracy poor, or did it just oh yeah, no, no. brass. It was all kinds of. It messed up the brass. The accuracy was ridiculous, um, like six inches. You know, mm. the steel case stuff. It probably shot about two inches, and the um, X metal stuff probably an inch and a half. You know, so uh, that was one fifty grain. When I start rolling up some one sixty eight grain ammo for it, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, I also, oh, this is, this story is, is sad, man. I picked up my 308 Grand. Okay. So for those who remember, the 308 Grand started off when, um, Denis and I went to visit, uh, Ginger Snaps and his buddy Don, and it was late at night. We were drinking and I said, Don, you know what we should do? We should build me a Grand. And Don's like, okay, let's build you a Grand because Don doesn't drink. So that's how he speaks. And so we built a Grand in 308 because I didn't have one in 308. So when you build a grand in 308, some of the parts are specific. Springfield 308 barrels are shorter than 30-06 grand barrels. So the stock is shorter. The upper handguard, so the listeners who aren't watching right now cannot Ooh. tell that I'm pointing at a gap between the receiver and the upper handguard. The reason there's a gap there and a gap here. This is quite big. Oh, oh no. you guys figure out what's going on yet? <laughs> so let's let's backtrack a little bit. When Don and I built this rifle, <laughs> we put on a Springfield 308 barrel. It failed the no-go gauge test. Yeah. So we took it to Denise and we were going to try and get it straightened out and stuff, and it didn't work. So we kind of gave up on that. <clears throat> and the guy who built my 30.6 grand tipped me off. He said, um, oh, I don't remember the retailer. Some Canadian retailer. Aztec Armory, Trade maybe? X. No, Trade X. Trade X had Criterion yep. 308 barrels. It might have been Aztec then. Aztec had the Citadel 308 barrel. So yep. I ordered one up. Um, I didn't read the fine print. You know how we talked about managing stupid and people not reading? The fine print said, made to the USGI uh, spec. So it was a 308 barrel in 30 out six length. So I got a 308 barrel on my, th or I got a 308 barrel on my 308 grand. All the other parts are 308 except for the barrel. Well, the barrel is a 308 barrel, but they built it to 30 out six length. And the reason why they did that is because a 308 grand has a, I don't know if you can see this, but on the side of the operating rod right there, it says 7.62 by 51 millimeter. So, by making your 308 barrel 30 out 6 length, you can just use all 30 out 6 parts and shoot Makes 308. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's millions of 30 out 6 op rods. There's millions of 30 out 6 stocks out there, right? So, I've got a M1 Grand in 308 with a 308 stock with a huge gap between the forend and the stock. And then the uh, handguard between the handguard and the receiver is another huge gap. So, Anyway, Don being Don, it's like, don't worry about it. I'll take the 308 stock back and I'll take the 308 op rod back and I'll give you a 308 or a 30 out six stock and a 30 out six op rod. 
Good, right? Problem solved. Yeah. yeah. Well, I brought the other barrel to Chris, and Chris thinks that he can make it work. So um, he's trying to get that barrel on another Italian receiver, like a Beretta or a Beretta. And if he gets that that Springfield barrel to work on an Italian receiver, well, then this handguard will fit, this stock will fit, this abroad will fit. So will Trevor end up with three grands, two and 308? <laughs> yes. Tune in next week to find <laughs> out. Also, um, M1 Garand stocks at Boyd's are pretty cheap, like less than 150 bucks for the stock and the and the, the handguard that is too short that I need to replace. And it's 150 fantastic. US, but still, right? Especially considering, yeah. look at this. I had all this parkerized at the knees. Look how ma- it looks brand new, man. Look how amazing that turned out. Yeah. Now, yeah, I forgot to put the bolt in the park rising tank, but so what? I also forgot to put the ears for the rear sight or the adjustment knobs for the rear sight in the park rising yeah. tank. So, yeah. yeah, Denis, if you're listening, heat up the park rising. I'm coming back over. We got some more parts to do. You know what didn't park rise? It's important to do your research, kids. Turns out long branches were blued. What did I do? Park rise my park long rise. branch. Yeah, because I'm a moron. So I'll re blue that next, next winter so it looks better because. The, the this is the same parkerizing solution, literally the same. Like they went in the the, the same tank, same solution within a couple of days of each other. Look how dark that came out. That's amazing, right? But yeah. my long branch Enfield looks gray. Yeah, like oh. cancer gray. That's not good. And so I'd like to. Uh, oh, so what I was saying was, do your research, uh, read a little bit, or have someone read to you. Um, Don't on skim. It. In other words, no. No, don't even, no, don't skim. Read the whole thing. Um, the gas cylinder, this part right here, the cylinder, and the um, gas plug, and the bolt that holds the gas cylinder to the barrel. Guess what? Notice how they're not parkerized? That's because they're made of stainless steel, and you can't, stain, you can't parkerize stainless steel. A little bit of reading. I would have known that. <sighs> but, I guess there's a lot of grands out there that look like that because that part wasn't finished the same as the other parts and the finish came off and whatever. So it's fine. All right. Next, you can leave it on me <laughs> after the match. So we got the grand. Yeah. And then we went to a match. We shot um, a match at the Thomaston corner range. That's the uh, Ipsit New Brunswick treasurer's range, Larry Shriver. So it was a black badge match. Awesome match. Six stages. The match in Woodstock was amazing too. It was 13 stages. That was a lot of stages for the first match of the year. And a lot of people think it's a lot of stages for um, uh, Black Badgers. Their first match, 13 stages, but whatever. They pulled it off. Um, so the match was great. Uh, I finished second again overall. And we know overall is the only thing that matters, right? So um, I finished first. Mm-hmm. At, at the Woodstock or at the one that Both, Kelly. Second oh. in... Second in Woodstock behind Jeremy Kane. Okay. And uh, second in, oh my God, second to Larry. Oh, really? Larry lent me his shadow last year. Mm-hmm. And I beat him with his own gun by 20%. I take out my gun, the Superior 1911, way, way better gun than the Shadow 2. You know, convince me I'm wrong. Um, and yeah, man, he, uh, he, he got me. He got you. Yeah, uh, so I won classic. He won production, but he took first overall with like ninety-seven percent. So, um, 
I'm having it investigated. I've contested it all the way to her. It's he's probably candidate. he's probably um, just a better shooter. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> or or he took enough ibuprofen that day that his hip wasn't sore. Oh, that that would help too. Yeah. God, I hope he listens. Anyway, so after the match, um, we were really handy to the gun dealer. The gun dealer is one of the largest firearms retailers outside of Ontario. It's big. They've got a lot of guns in stock, a lot of, a lot of everything. And, um, the owner there, uh, Ross is a, he's a, a longtime supporter of Rescue Gun Club. Him and his son, when I go in, they're like, Hey Trevor, what's going on? And I hardly ever go in there, but they, they know me by name and stuff and they treat me really well. That's so that's where I got the long branch, right? I traded my AR, my NEA AR for that long branch. He wanted 650 bucks for the long branch. Right? I'm like, Hey Ross, look what I do with this long branch. And I show him all the refinishing work and how we plug the holes and stuff. And I'm like, you see these, these two letters here, this M and P, do you know what that is? He goes, no, what's that? I said, this was a military or a mounted police issued rifle. He's, he's color in his face to start to... so after i told him how i you know basically screwed him it's his gun he owns the store <laughs> let him price it accordingly i know i didn't screw him i paid him what he wanted That's actually true. you know i gave him an ar that was worth more than 650 bucks but i knew that mm -hmm. long ranch was worth more than 650 bucks anyway this isn't about either of those things this yeah. is about this new optic so uh filthy and the stable boy oh the stable boy put a thumping on filthy I heard he every stage wasn't filthy. even a contest. So filthy's excuse is going to be, it was my first match in production optics. <laughs> Trevor sighted in my gun for me before the <laughs> match and probably didn't do a very good job. And, and, and let's not forget the part where the optic came off and hit me in the face. Yeah, that happened. Last and it was stage. probably shooting low and left the whole time. <laughs> low and right. Right. Oh, sorry, he's a lefty. He is a lefty. Yeah. So, yeah, the optic came right off and smoked him in the mouth. It was hilarious. We have it on on video, but we have it from the wrong. Well, we have it from the correct side, the right side. But you know, you no one see. expects no one expects someone to use a gun with their left hand if the cameraman is uh, on the wrong side. So, anyway, okay. so we we all need to feel better about ourselves, right? Uh, except for Mark, because Mark won. Um, but he came along anyway. So um, we were off to the gun dealer to purchase these. This is a, a Vortex Crossfire mm -hmm. red dot, and um, it, it he gave us a smoking deal, and uh, it's thanks to Stable Boy because he was kind of on the fence about buying one. So I said to Ross, I said, if we buy three, what kind of deal are you going to cut us? So mm -hmm. he gave us, you know, if we bought three, he gave us 10% off. So if Mark had not stepped up and purchased the third one, Filthy and I would have had to pay full retail. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, only like that, uh, I like the riser on it. It's yeah. it's light. Yep. yep. And I had, um, I didn't have a riser on my Typhoon when I had this on the Typhoon. This is the uh, Spark 2. Yeah. Um, but I put the riser on for the uh, PCC and I left it on when I put it back on the Typhoon because it's a little high if I'm not wearing ears, but if I'm wearing ears, they got to get pushed up and stuff a little bit. So whatever. Yeah. I left it on. And uh, so. Um, yeah, uh, they didn't all have the same MOA dot. They come in different sizes, apparently. I didn't think that was a thing. So this one may have like a three and Filthy's got a six or something. It's quite, uh, it's quite small. So, um, while I was at the range with Snuffy, uh, first thing I did was sight this in at 25 meters. That's where I run my, uh, PCC zero. I like your, uh, chamber flag, by the way. Oh, uh, thank you. So, You're welcome. um, for the listeners, my... <laughs> 
my PCC chamber flag says PCC is not a crime. If you follow any of the uh, Facebook groups or even Instagram, PCC is the most made fun of division to ever hit the sport. Like it's picked on more than revolver. People have forgot about how much revolver sucks oh, now that PCC awesome. is out. Yeah, it's um, I get I get teased on the daily by the uh, Ipsic guys from Nova Scotia about PCC. Um, it's the short bus division. It's the this. It's the that. It's all kinds of stuff. So yeah. So uh, just jelly. That's all. Yeah. So it's Stephen fun. Casey and the boys from Nova Scotia were in. Um, I forget which state they were at. One of the area matches, area seven maybe. And uh, he he bought uh, he bought two of those. One for me and one for him. So big shout out to him. I thought that was awesome. Um, so yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. there was something else, but it has slipped my mind. Um, uh, I'm still designing stages for SummerSlam. I'm not quite done. I've got 12 out of 18 done. And then I designed the week, the stages for next weekend's black badge match, which I won't even be at. Here I am designing stages and doing the administration and practice score and registration for a match. I won't be at, but that's okay. The reason I won't be there is because I will be at the RSO C course. Yeah. The CCFR pilot RSO course. So, um, it'll be the first RSO course in CCFR history. The primary function of this course is to certify myself and two other individuals as uh, master learning facilitators. These are the people who will go out and teach people to teach the course. And of course, we've got a couple of field officers and a few other people attending the class to actually be the first group of CCFR RSOs. I've also been coordinating with the CCFR uh, head office, the headquarters in the um, uh, Ontario to figure out the logistics of administering the course, recording um, a database, right? Who was trained, where, when, by who, etc. We're going to be mailing out from the office a uh, certificate and a new patch. So there's a right. CCFR patch right now that looks like this. Uh, let me just flip over here. I don't know where so, mine is. This is it. the current CCFR patch for the field officers. Mm -hmm. So on the bottom, instead of saying field officer, it'll either say range safety officer or simply RSO, depending on if there's enough enough room down there. We're not going to create a whole new patch. We're just going to mm. relabel this patch, right? Yep. So, um, so yeah. So that's next weekend. This weekend, though, um, I've got a private class with Alex Bird uh, Alex Burdett. Alex is the uh, X-Mental Pro Staff guy, and um, he is also the current Canadian production champion, and he has taken many classes with Ben Steger. He podcasts with Ben Steger, actually, quite often. I think he's a, a regular on the show over there. So this will be his second time coming to Rescue to do a class with us. So this time, we did a class last year, two-day class, but it was full. It was like 10, 12 people. So it was still awesome, but you don't get quite as much one-on-one -on -one time as you would like, so... Um, this time there's only six of us taking the class. So the class is the same price. How much do you want to pay for a private class? Right. So our tuition is like doubled from last year, but whatever, totally worth it. Um, so to get ready for that, I was loading up, we need like 800 rounds of ammo. So I finally got to break into my black sheep brass nine mil. Um, I tried a couple just to see, right. But I also have, um, 50223 to load as soon as my powder arrives. Um, the black sheep brass is awesome because it's super clean and it's already been resized. You buy brass from people 
it's not resized. It has got a primer in it and stuff. This has got the primer knocked out. It's already resized. So it goes through the through the press like butter. And the quality control is great. I've not come across one that has any kind of issue whatsoever. I'm so confident in this brass that I'm just loading it and putting it right in the bullet trays, making sure that the primers are good. If they're not, that's on me. It's got nothing to do with the brass. Either I didn't see it correctly or whatnot. I actually found one didn't have a primer tonight. Um, and taking that to the to the match with me on the weekend and yeah, brass prep call, sucks and, and having brass. someone else do the tumbling and the resizing and the dealing with the primers and stuff and just like if all you had to do is take prepped brass and make ammo it's super fast super fast super clean you, the contamination that you get during the reloading process most of the time has to do with cleaning the brass because that's where all the contaminants are they're in the brass yeah you got the bullet the projectile is lead, but if you're wearing rubber gloves and you wash up when you're done, that's super easy to manage. It's well, if your projectile of... is, is polymer coated or TMJ or FMJ, then that's pretty, it, it can get dirty if you're using like a, a pure, uh, a lead bullet with that uh, Lee Alox or something like that. That's oh, not liquid Alox is garbage. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Smoky. Jeez. But and still, regardless. That's still a lead product. You should always wear gloves, whether it's a full metal jacket, bullet, polymer, whatever. You should still wear gloves. The real dirty stuff is the brass. The brass from Black Sheep is affordable. It's good quality, and it's going to save you time and um, your health. It's just healthier to use brass that somebody else. Let, let, I like the guy, but let's, let's let him deal with the contaminants, shall we? We'll just reload with the clean stuff. You know, Adriel, how you're you're of the opinion like nine mil is so cheap it's not worth reloading. Right? Well, I'm not I'm there. I'm a gamer. I've yep. got a tailor, I've got my load tailored to my Ipsic pistol and stuff. Um but I don't pick up my brass. All right. Mm -hmm. And now I won't have to. I will just keep buying uh buying the uh the black sheep stuff and just leave it there. So let the hobos pick it. That's what I say. You've got uh, this thing about hobos and homos tonight. Hobos and homos? Is that what you said? Because I didn't homeless. say that. Oh, homos. Well, have you ever seen a hobo with a home? Of course he's homeless. <laughs> That's why he's a hobo. He's got a pack on a stick, riding the rails, looking for that dog. Come on. And picking brass, apparently. Picking brass. Yeah. Adriel, how about you? What have you been up to? Uh, before we get too far, did you shoot with a ginger at, at, our, at your last match? Well, did, did the ginger beat you on one of the stages? What? A, a, a new black badge person? What? This dude is going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He didn't say, I don't think the man can speak. I'm pretty sure he's a mute, right? So I'm there and I'm being me, right? I can't stop. I got, I got the ADD and I got the big mouth and stuff. And I'm always trying emphasis on trying to be funny. And, uh, when we're going through the through the squad rotation or whatnot on the tablet, um, I think I don't know. I don't even know how I called him Ginger, but anyway, I, I just saw the corner of my eye a flash of red beard, and I called him a Ginger. And uh, I I don't know if I pissed him off or what because he didn't say nothing to me for the rest of the day. Like not a word. <laughs> like oh, so he doesn't know me. He doesn't know I think I'm funny, and maybe I insulted him by calling him a Ginger because he ain't said nothing, right? So anyway, I saw the potential in every stage where he was like, oh, dude, if you had just done this, you would have like totally cleaned it. 
Oh, he did clean that one. All right. So anyway, so I watched him run this one stage and I, I had done good, but I had uh, I had a mic and I had a makeup shot and then I unloaded the show cleared and I was still kind of on the ground, not ready to get up yet. No mag in the gun, still get around the chamber and I look at the target. It's got a hole in it. I'd literally just point shoot it from the hip almost. Oh, son of a, and I, and I shoot it and I hit, I actually hit the target. Anyway, so I thought I was all of that and a bag of chips on the first stage. I did really good and stuff. And then on the second stage, I did that. And I watched how he shot it. And I thought to myself, you know, he did it really, really good. And he could have done it even better if he had just done this thing. And then I looked at the tablet and he beat me. So when he came over, I was like, you know what, man? I was going to offer you some advice on how to shoot that stage. But since you beat me on it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope you're on your own you're you're on your own so yeah so i'm gonna have to come up with a new nickname for him because we already have a ginger snaps and ipsic mm. so but yeah dude dude uh i don't know if that was his first match we're all effed because <laughs> <laughs> yeah he come on pretty strong it was awesome cool uh let's see i shot a three-gun match uh we had our three yes, gun you match did. on saturday yep you're ready. You're ready for this, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Ready. <laughs> no, I got it. Shooting. I got it. I got it on my system already. <laughs> oh, I got I a few likes. That make for uh, interesting conversations. You guys listen oh, to well, the, the three gun uh, uh, podcast. Kind of ha- like didn't have the conversation about um, consistency as much, but they had like a USPSA versus three gun uh, conversation here just recently, and it was right. super interesting. Super interesting uh, uh, hearing the different viewpoints of. Uh, uh, of what it was but uh if you I let mean, me get through my three gun match first and then we can we can argue about it afterwards that'd be fine. perfect giver i'll let you know <laughs> i will I, i'm i'm standing by to tell you you're wrong you just let okay. me know when hold your finger over top the go button get ready get ready i'll know when your face gets red on the camera that it's time uh, <laughs> if i just fall over call 911 i've had a stroke <laughs> uh yeah so i shot the three gun match uh i did pretty good um i got second overall that's the thing, right? Overall. <laughs> Overall. Yeah. Uh, division, well, who cares? Your right? sport's made it's up. Overall. You can you can count overall if you want. There are no rules. There are no rules. There's In your outlaw lifestyle. Outlaw <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> Apparently outlaw I don't life. embrace the outlaw lifestyle. No, you know, you're not uh, you're not living the outlaw life. Um nope. I got second in TAC Ops, but TAC Ops turned out to be the most competitive division at this point. Yeah. Question. Uh yep. Where does the division title tack ops come from? Which rule set? Uh, used to be ooh, B at uh, Three Gun Nation, I think. Okay, I think I know but, Three Gun Nation changed their uh, divisions recently here, so now they have Unlimited Practical Factory. I think is one of the ones. I don't know. I didn't follow it. Like a teenager trying to find its way in the world. That's what your game is. I haven't even finished. Are you going to let him? <laughs> Tac Ops, anyways, which is a scope on the rifle. And I was in that division because uh, ATRS uh, had loaned me one of their modern sporters. And they're like, hey, can you shoot a three gun match with this? <laughs> I was like, can I yeah. ever? <laughs> you went, sure. You've seen the videos. You know what I'm going to do with this rifle, right? I am going to dump it in a dump slit. I'm going to scratch it against. No, I didn't do anything that bad. But. Um, uh, it actually I'm win with it. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I'm gonna win with it, or at least get second in in tack ops and second overall. Um, it was a good match. It was uh, the weather was 
fantastic. Like for a May match, it's it snows sometimes in May in, in Alberta. So or no, wait, we're in April. It snows sometimes in April in Alberta. Are we in April or May? Wow, dude. May. 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 It was May. May we are May. Today is May 16th. Still May. Still May. That yeah. being yeah. said, we we had snow in New Brunswick um this week as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No snow uh, here. We're good. Yeah, it's fantastic. It was like 20, 22 degrees. Beautiful outside. Not too much wind. Uh really nice day. Uh our stages were all really well balanced. We <laughs> ran through it really smoothly. <laughs> you hold your tongue. You hang on for a bit. We'll get to it. There we go. Yeah, mute your mic. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, things that I need to do, but things I did well at long range shooting. Uh, I shot from 150 to 350, and I hit every single target uh, with one shot each. Nice. Uh, so out to yeah, out to out to 350. How was it's the all wind? good. How was the wind? Uh, Wendy? Not not yeah. a factor. Not a factor at. Where were you shooting at? Two two three. What's Where that? Were you shooting? Where were you shooting it at? Out at Chaz? Yeah. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, you guys well, with a, don't... With a 223, you... so who cares? Yeah. It, yeah. But you know. don't have a lot of wind out there anyways. Not really. And it would it would have to get pretty windy to throw uh, a 223 off at yeah. 350. Yeah. It would, you need a lot of wind before that becomes a factor. But um, mm. yeah, that was all good. Um, I would say that my pistol shooting was good enough. St- st- uh, good enough on, uh, on a lot of stuff. I recorded the whole video uh voiced it over dumped it up on youtube with like my critiques of myself um and actually i saw someone else had some additional stuff that i hadn't seen uh that i'm I'm gonna i just saw a little bit uh, earlier today then i'm gonna go through some some helpful pointers for myself like personally i'm always looking to improve my game so when i when i put my video up it isn't like look check out how awesome i am it's uh this is how i did and everything can be improved so i'm always uh, i'm always game for seeing uh, better ways to uh, to shoot better uh some of the things i noticed about my run one of them is i'm shooting two two straight up right straight up legs locked it's like mm. uh, and, and and when i'm shooting i don't see it or i don't feel it but uh but when i look at the video later i can see yeah i'm shooting uh, sh- standing straight up and that's why i'm losing like fractions of a second moving p- between positions because you have to drop down to to move anyways so that has to get better um, shooting my rifle could be a lot faster. Trevor? Your um, video that you uploaded with the commentary over top? Yeah. Excellent idea. And the, I, I'm i not the best person for analyzing my shooting, but I can analyze my shooting at least. At least I can record where my thoughts were uh, day of, right? After I look at the video, I can, t- I can do my own analysis. Someone else posted some of their thoughts on top and it's like, oh, cool. Someone else's opinion on it, right? And I'm not going to well, take offense at any kind of uh, critique of that, right? No, and that's what I thought this would spur. Okay, this is what you think about it? Well, from my perspective, Adriel, this is actually what I think. Mm-hmm. Your comments, I hope, are getting littered with uh, some feedback and stuff. Well, maybe we can uh, maybe we can do more of that because I think that's that's more interesting to me. Uh, I'm not interested in just looking at it and being like, ah, you know what? I just have to shoot faster. I'm interested in, ah, I think I, I need to do this with my position. Someone else can say like, no, actually that's all right. Or that I think this, this is a bigger issue. So I need to shoot from a lower stance. I need to bend my knees a little bit more. And that will help with uh, recoil mitigation a little bit. Like I'm a big guy. The, the pistol's not pushing me around, but moving faster is something that I can definitely improve on moving from position to position, uh, shooting faster when I get into the positions, 
Um, shooting my rifle and controlling my recoil better is something that I really need to focus on. I'm using a U-shaped cup on the bottom of the rifle, and I really should C-clamp that thing to uh, drive the rifle a little bit faster. Yeah. One of the things that we worked on last time with Alex and that we, we, were, we will work on again this time is arriving ready to shoot. So how you enter the position with your footwork, not just charging in and stopping like a hippo, like I do. That's literally like I arrive like a hippo and, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, everyone can benefit from improving that. Like if you take a second and a half to get that first shot off when you get into position. Yes. Yeah. Right. Nah. Yeah. For me, yeah. I, I think I could probably shave like a half second off of each transition. Every time I move to a new position, there's a half second sitting on the table for me to grab. And it's it's easy time to to, to pick off. Um, and then the last one is a little bit more mental game. Uh, visually visualizing my stage runs better. I did a really good job of it on the first stage of the day. Um, we actually had a couple of uh, a couple of new shooters come out. One of them was a Slamfire listener, uh, Alex, and uh, they're coming out for their first match. And uh, we we're like some of the guys were like doing their walkthroughs, and they were just standing back. I'm like, guys, you gotta you gotta visualize the stage like this. And then I went and I I showed like I'm air gunning the stage kind of thing, and then I shot it and I did pretty good. But then I didn't do it on the other the other stages, and I didn't put it to put it together on match day. Uh, only afterwards, it was like, you know what? I'm hunting at this time. I'm hunting for a target. I shouldn't be doing that. I should know where the targets are. Why am I even uh, thinking about this, right? So it was uh, it was visualization on my other stage runs that uh, that I could have made up some time and not... You can see it on the video, right? When you're shooting and then you pick your head up and you're like, oh, yeah, there's that other target right there. There goes a quarter or a half second that you didn't need to do had you have uh, air gunned it a little bit uh, more thoroughly right so a couple of things i need to uh i need to improve on uh on my stage runs uh and then the last one is my my shotgun reloading was just trash usually my shotgun reloading is a lot uh smoother uh, but i ended up i ended up yard sailing shot shells on the ground on two of the well on on practically every time i use my shotgun i i was air air missing some some shells or throwing them on the ground or just not they weren't collecting out of the shell ca caddy very well now i've broke my my my, my one sh main shell caddy I actually broke uh at last month's match so i've cracked the lips off of it and uh, i'm grabbing from a little bit further back and ah. i'm not grabbing them very well and so there's you know some issue there so i bought some new tacom they're they're magnetic shell carriers they've they've got uh uh Magnets on the top and uh, clips on the bottom, and they come out a little bit easier. So I'm hoping that that's going to sort out in my hand a little bit better. So, uh, Trevor, if you got some time, do you want to talk about uh, running in uh, in a in a shooting sport? <laughs> sure. What do you want to talk about? The the thing that was uh, so you didn't like that there was a rundown. Um, and this, I, I posted a, a bit on Instagram and the, I'll, I'll describe it for the listeners who maybe aren't on Instagram or whatever. Um, but if you are on Instagram, just go check it out. There was a spot in a stage where after shooting your rifle, you had to run about 70 or 80 meters to a rooftop and then engage five targets from 150 to 350. So um, that turns the match into 
uh, uh, that turned that stage, we're all supposed to shoot fairly equally, right? But that turns that stage into a running contest. If the goal is to elevate one's heart rate so that you can control your breathing, control your heart rate um, before shooting or, you know, practice getting your heart rate, your breathing under control before shooting, that's important. I get that. I agree. Knowing how to shoot with an elevated heart rate and an elevated rate of respiration is a skill that's important. You do not need to run 80 meters to achieve an elevated heart rate. And when you extend it out to that distance, it's ridiculous. And it becomes about running, not about shooting. A little bit about running. A little bit. 80, 80 not meters? A, not enough, not enough to, <clears throat> to make a, a real difference on the stage, I believe. Because uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the fastest runner. No. <laughs> I'm not the fastest by a long shot. I actually jogged that section because the ground is uneven. Uh, when, so I, when, when time is such an important part of the score in practical shooting sports, regardless of what discipline it is or what sport it is, when time is so important, and you make a component of the stage that weighted on time, it is not balanced and it negatively affects the stage. It would be like if I had a stage in Ipsic, it uh, balances balance. You can't no, have too much of any balance, one thing. Balance. Because in some disciplines, the running Let is me give you uh, an analogy. Gun. Let me give you an analogy. If I had an Ipsic stage that had targets out at 40 meters, mm -hmm. okay? I could destroy the stage by putting too many targets at that distance because someone could zero the entire stage on that array. Mm -hmm. Yes, put targets at that distance, but don't put enough to cause someone to completely zero the stage if they miss that array of targets. Okay. That would zero them according to how the rules in IPSC are set out right now. Yes. Okay. But again, let's not get caught up on, on one particular game's rule set. Let's look at trying to balance out a stage. If you put, but what I'm turns. what I'm saying is like the balance is directly tied to the scoring and the rules of the game. Right. So you put too many points in one location. Bad. You make uh, you make a stage require so much running that it becomes about the running and not the shooting. Bad. You could have accomplished the same thing in that stage with a thirty meter run. I and didn't. then, what was okay? So tell me this: what was the goal of that? 80 to 100 meter, whatever it was, rundown. What purpose did it serve? How did it add to the stage and or match? Uh, well, elevated your heart rate for an extended period of time. While you were shooting those five targets, there was no way after running 80 meters that you'd be able to slow things down to make like a, a, a nice, slow, calm shot. You were under duress the entire five shots. If you, sh if you ran 30 meters... It's action shooting. You're never going to have a slow, calm, relaxed shot, right? You should, unless you are walking the entire match. Mm, I don't know. Like, there, there's there's some... like There's always really a time this pressure. Is the, this, is a di this is a difference between like a, a, a purist stage where it would just where it'd be a balance between movement and shooting and transitions and, mm -hmm. and very little distance between the two mm -hmm. and something that's more physically demanding. Because if you want to, if like this is all on a scale, the, yep. at the far end of the scale, 
would be running gun. Grab your your AR, sling it up, uh, and uh, now you're going to go for a half marathon, and you're going to shoot stages along the way. Every every stage in that match is that way. Correct, and uh, that and would that is a that whole game high is. physicality yep. uh, match. Everyone knows cool. that when you sign up yep, for a running right. gun, you're going to get a high physicality uh, yep. match. And guess what? That match isn't just about shooting; it's about your physical fitness as well. That's being tested the whole mm-hmm. time. Correct. Right on that far end of the scale, a running mm-hmm. gun is <clears throat> high level of of physicality. Yep. Some still some some shooting ability because you can you can really hurt your time by not shooting well. But yep. primarily, like you can't show up as a fat slob and nope. with the, with the wrong gear, you're going to get smoked. Right. Yep. So this stage, you said that the goal of the 80 meter rundown was to elevate the heart rate. Correct for the, the entire match, five shots. The match director five shots is not a long time, Adriel. Listen. How often do you shoot your AR at 350 meters? I even lost track of how many claps. Like, it doesn't take a tremendous amount of time to shoot five shots. So, um, five shots, let's call it, um, call it 10 seconds, two seconds per shot because they're at a long distance. Okay. So, uh, how if you shot, if you shot, 10 shots at that distance uh-huh. in 10 seconds, you would be in the upper five shots. Yeah. Sorry. Five shots. So if you shot five shots in 10 seconds, you would be in the upper like 10% of shooters at that, at those distances. Yeah. So it was 80 meters worth of running for five shots. It doesn't, it doesn't balance. You could get, you know, if all you wanted was an elevated heart rate for five shots, 30 meters would have did it. And you still would have had elevated heart rates, and it wouldn't have been the fastest runner to win the stage. It wasn't the fastest runner to win the stage. I don't even well, think running speed came into it. Like I again, like I, I'm going to say, I'm not the fastest runner. I'm, I actually jogged it. I did not run full flat out. I won that stage easily. When by just this... by just having accurate long range shots. Right. So the so did the timer start, and then you took off running? Beep, and you took off running. Uh. Let's see. Well, for the full stage, yeah. Beep. I took off running to the left. I did some pistol work. I ran back. I dropped my pistol. I grabbed my rifle. I ran about 20 meters. I did some shooting with the rifle. And then I ran that 80 and then finished my shots off there. It was uh, okay. 60, 65 seconds. A lot of it running. <laughs> but uh, but not running at like a full tilt. Again, I'm not a sprinter. I, I, I okay. can't sprint. All right. So what I'm trying to be convinced of is that in order to shoot five rounds with an elevated heart rate, 80 meters was required. Are you, you're know, getting, that's getting, that's what you're trying to sell me on the 80 meters part. He just yeah. thinks that same but thing. I mean, like ser- service 30. rifle does hundred meter rundowns and right. they do a different few of game. Them. Different game. Correct. Yeah. Different like game. Free gun and, is not Ipsic though either. I don't know why you keep bringing it back to Ipsic when I don't. Because I'm, you're trying, to, you're, trying to, you're trying to apply uh, no a I'm balance trying, that no. Ipsic has like very well defined that three gun doesn't have well defined. Well, again, okay, so right, just calling it three gun is a problem, right? That's like saying when you say three gun, I might as well say action shooting. Correct. Right. Which three gun Correct. are we talking about? Right, three guns. Oh, so good is Lord. It, I'm gonna it, go make a sandwich. This go might for take it. a while. Yeah, this is. 
Well, uh, it, while it, you're it, at it, make point. us one too. Yeah, because Shut the uh, <laughs> because like th three gun is not super well, not really well defined, and a lot and most of the matches are outlaw, and the yeah. outlaw matches have. I would say the the biggest variability would be uh, on the physicality required because sure. there's some that yep. um, are closer to an ipsic match. They're they're very short, punchy stages, high hit factor if if you want to go for that. And there's some others that have a little bit more physicality. Some that have a lot more physicality. And then there are some that are like milsim kind of kind of things, right? Where they those guys might pack around all their ammo. They might go Iron Man and you have to carry all your ammo and your guns the whole day and your water. And that that is a, a, a style of three gun shooting, right? Yes, that's right. So um, I, I am still having a hard time with the, the, the rationale for the 80 meters was so that you could shoot only five rounds with an elevated heart rate and not have it affect the outcome of the stage by the fact that it was 80 meters instead of 30 meters because 30 meters is an, is a number that I'm picking uh, somewhat arbitrarily, but I think it's a number that uh, is a fair distance to make everybody run. And some people will still suck wind hard on 30 meters. Some people will run 30 meters, no problem, but you're going to have a pretty elevated, uh, even if it was 50 meters, but yeah, just, I, it was running for the sake of running. And the reason why I say it was running for the sake of running is because you could have the shooter's heart rate elevated for all five of those rounds with less distance. If you, if you made all your hits. <laughs> if you made all your... Well, that's that doesn't matter how far you run. That's a different challenge. You're shooting from an elevated platform at distance. That's mm -hmm. We're not even talking about that. That's completely appropriate. That, that's the shooting skill that's you having your gear your gear set up and know where where your rounds are going to impact at that distance that's a different animal altogether but you ran 80 meters to shoot five bullets uh -huh. and you and you're telling me it was 80 meters so that you could shoot five bullets with an elevated heart rate and i'm saying you could shoot five bullets with an elevated heart rate and not have to run 80 meters and then the physical component wouldn't have outweighed i believe it outweighed the shooting component of that stage and i believe our matches are supposed to be about shooting skill, not who runs the fastest. How could you not have an advantage by running that 80 meters faster than everyone else when time is such I a huge... The, I didn't... So what I'm saying, I, I, I recognize what you're, what you're talking about. You're mm -hmm. saying if running speed is what you're, you're practicing, then the fastest runners would get a huge advantage on this. And what I'm saying is I agree with that. And, and I, I generally agree with... Uh, we shouldn't have running for just the sake of running. Right. Which I this agree was. with that as well. Which in your opinion of what you think in terms of balance it was, because in your opinion, 30 meters is enough to be gassed while you make all those shots. And you disagree? Yes, I disagree. I think that uh, having that run down left most people gassed for longer. And given I jogged much thing, longer, much yes, longer, much longer. And given that I longer than needed, thing, uh, I was I still got the best time on that stage, even just jogging it, not right. running fast. So where did you make up your time on that stage? On those on. that th those long range shots by hitting every single shot I took and not having to take uh, make up shots. That was a big part of it. There's some yeah. other positioning and and whatnot, but well, I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't make or lose a ton of time by just jogging it rather than uh, going full bore. 
well placed shots is what. Yeah, you can't what? miss fast enough to win. Doesn't matter what game it is. Yeah, I, I like it, it. Would be interesting to like I I I I don't I don't want to do it right now, but look at the video and see how much time it takes for to to run that that distance in a jog versus an all out run, and to see if it's like I'd imagine it. What is it going to be? Two seconds, three maybe. Hmm. It might not know. make like we're like we're we're arguing about it, but uh, it it might not actually make that much of a difference when you actually look at the stage. Hmm. But I I, cool. I I I generally agree that the running for the sake of running is not super required. I don't mind having a lot of physicality in a match because that's the style of matches we do is is not a strictly uh, pure three gun. There is a lot of physicality in them. Yep, and that's yeah, a, and well, I mean, that's, a, that's a style choice. Uh, you know, when people complain about the physicality in Nipsic where they have to go prone or run upstairs or downstairs and stuff, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, we're not bullseye shooting here, kids. And maybe you can't do it anymore. And how inclusive do we want to be? Like, it's a practical shooting sport, and your score is heavily influenced by how fast you shoot your targets. You know, I mean... My stage, my my um, range is probably the most physically demanding Ipsic Ipsic uh, range there is. With running around inside transport trailers and up and down stairs, up and down a boat, and yeah, all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but in my view, it's all real world. If I make you run up a flight of stairs, it's not to see how fast you can run up the stairs. Although the faster you go, the better. But as soon as you get to the stairs, there's bad guys that need to be ventilated. Uh, you don't. It's get real, st- real world up to a point, real world and scenario and that kind of thing. But eventually, you have to say, okay, these are the rules. We're sticking to them, and then people game around it and and, and that kind of thing, right? Like yeah, if, if yeah, again, but- three gun, you don't have to reload from behind cover. You find no. the spot where you can see the most bad exactly. guys, which in real world would get would you get ventilated. You, that'll get you killed yeah. on the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, eventually, like, yes, it's it's for practical shooting, and, and we're going to have some like Ipsic has some physicality to it, like you mentioned, climbing upstairs and that kind of thing, and, and Three Gun does as well. It's a matter of where do you put that? Where on the, where on the line of physicality are you going to s- stick? And uh, oh, I stick to when it starts to put more of an emphasis on the physical and less on the shooting. Correct. Because at the end of the day, it's about the fundamentals of marksmanship wrapped up in some physicality, but the physicality can't dominate the shooting. In my a, opinion. There has to be a balance that you stick to. And yeah. that's and the I balance think, that you choose. Yeah. And I think that balance belongs in in all of the the disciplines until you get to like you said, the extreme end of the spectrum where it's like, all right, everything you can carry, put on you now, go. That's what you could you could argue that that's more practical. (laughs) Absolutely, trooper division in in three gun is more practical than the guys like me who are walking around with the stuff on our belt and immediately after a stage, like, whoo, gotta take that stuff off. I'm not carrying that around all day. (laughs) There's there's um, pounds on my belt. (laughs) There's a there's one of the founding principles of Ipsic about how uh, equipment uh, that is not practical won't be used. Uh, That was obviously written before race holsters and open guns. Right, there's nothing yeah. practical about a lot of the equipment that we use. That's why IDPA was created because Ipsic turned into a game. It is a game. I know IDPA up... is a game. Yeah, well, <laughs> different kind of game. Yeah, game. well, they're all games. Yeah, but IDPA would like to think it's the purest and most practical, but still a game. Only mm-hmm. you're wearing a fishing vest. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. All right, Anyways, man. We probably, beat we beat that to death. Yeah. We'll argue about that more later. <laughs> if you insist, I, I do. It's fun. I can yeah. continue to tell you why you're wrong later. <laughs> Hippo hobo. Kelly? <laughs> Kelly, you're mean. <laughs> what? What are you saying here? You gotta you gotta bring our listeners in on it. Oh, it's just some of the <laughs> Facebook comments. Of, this episode brought to you by the letter H for hippo, hobo, and homeless. <laughs> yeah. And the number one. And the number one. <laughs> Brad is also adding to that. Thank you, Brad, for playing along from home. Are, are you all done? Are I'm you guys? Done. Are you done arguing about three gun and which is? We'll better argue more there? later. Okay. We'll argue right. more later. Time to move we'll on, Kelly. Okay. So what did I do in guns this week? Um, Holy geez, we're still in this segment. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you better go we, quick, Kelly. We used all your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, 2020 is coming up soon, so the CCFR calendar. We are planning that. Stay tuned for that. Watch the CCFR Facebook pages, and we'll we'll be posting on there soon. About uh, we're just trying to arrange some things prior to uh, releasing the model call out. And I just wanted to let you know that I expect you guys, you being Trevor and Adriel and Matthew, anybody that's watching or listening as well, to order that calendar. We are even increasing the numbers. We sold out in a matter Question. of... Question. What? If I've never ordered one, why are you expecting oh. me to do it now? Oh, yeah, that's true. You know what? I should not be buying you those for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm here encouraging the wrong behavior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you... Uh, You've bought my last two calendars. Yeah. And and um I nope, I didn't nope. I only no, have didn't. the nope. The only ones that got put I don't even know where the other one is. Serious. Serious. Yolanda I, wasn't in it, so I don't know it's in a drawer somewhere. You know what? I'm not I'm not sending you one anymore if you're not yeah. That's fine. And if she comes back, I'll buy another one. <sighs> okay. <sighs> oh, I'm getting some dirty looks from over there right now. You destroyed it? <laughs> cat litter. What? That's fine. Yolanda wasn't in it. My Yolanda calendars are here. They're the ones that are autographed, see? To my favorite ginger-loving hobo or something. Mm. Uh, okay. Why don't I finish up what yeah, I did this week? Thank you. Yeah, help me get uh, into trouble. <laughs> SFRC went there Saturday. Even though I was busy with work stuff, I still went to SFRC because I needed a break and I needed to go and see the people from uh, both Marcy and Ryan. I wanted to thank them as well because Kingston City Council. Oh, my God. You guys are lucky you don't live here. Uh, yeah, City Council meeting on two. So it was Wednesday. I showed up there. Uh, we arranged to have a whole bunch of people come if they uh, could from the CCFR. So Tracy and Colin came down and Kelly Kincaid was there. She came by on her breaks, but you know, break from work. So she, she was working, but she wasn't able to stay that long. Uh, we had all the gun clubs from the local area, as well as Napanee that came to the meeting and SFRC. So Marcy and Ryan were both there as well as probably, I don't know, maybe about, two or three, maybe four dozen um, gunnies. We, the city council chambers are pretty small. There's probably about 30 seats in there, maybe. I don't know, 20, 30. 
we filled that and then there, there was a room they told us to get out and go into the other room and and watch tv i got staying because i i talked or i um i was somebody that um yeah well i talked about um the impact on shooters in our local area what we would do is uh the council meeting um so if you're going to talk about a subject or you represent something you go and before the meeting starts you talk about it and then you have to wait for the motions and the motions are at the end of the meeting so we spoke, Tracy spoke first, then I spoke. Uh, there was also another gentleman there that was um, from, um, I don't know, I don't know where he's from. Anyways, he, uh, he spoke, um, but we had to wait until the very last motion. Uh, they extended the meeting. They had to have a special uh, vote about extending the meeting as well because it was midnight when they voted on uh, the uh, motion to ask the motion was to ask the federal government to strengthen C-71. What they wanted was a handgun ban and assault rifle ban, as well as a semi-automatic rifle ban. That's what Kingston City Council was going to draft up a letter and send it out to the federal government and ask them to make some changes to C-71. So everybody showed up on that. You know, we all descended onto uh, uh, City Hall and we wrote letters. They said it was the um, most engaged that uh, their constituents have ever been. And uh, they because they received emails and not just one or two, which they normally receive, but they received dozens of them, as well as, as I said, people showed up. Um, they took the vote. As I said, it was midnight and it was really close. It was seven to six. And of that, uh, the breaking or tie-breaking vote was the mayor of Kingston. And I really, really appreciate everybody that who did show up. I also appreciate uh, some of the people who voted, who voted according to what their constituents wanted. They said the mayor, that, the mayor voted against it too? Yeah, he did. Very good. The reason is, he said it's not. It's not a municipal. Um, it's Excellent. not. He, he said, was staying in his lane. Exactly. He said, "Our our laws are federally regulated." For yep. he said, "It needs to be there." It also needs. He says, "We can occasionally lobby to the provincial government, and we can occasionally lobby on behalf of Kingston and Kingston residents." to the federal government. However, we have to be very picky and choosy. He said, you know what, C-71, from what we heard tonight, and Tracy spoke to this, he said, it sounds like it's going to be passed anyway. So why are we wasting, you know, a kick at the can with something that's going to be passed? And he's- Holy common sense. I mm -hmm. know. He was some, I didn't vote for him, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But now, like Adriel said, municipal politicians should be concerned with, you know, running their city and keeping the streets clean. Asked me that. They said, as a federal employee, somebody who works with it, because that's part of what I spoke about, as a federal employee who is concerned about uh, safety in our communities, etc. Are you somebody who wants to, you know, wants us to advocate on your behalf with C seventy one? I said no. I said, I'm concerned about you picking up my garbage and the amount of taxes I'm paying. So you know what? I'll keep the city safe. You take care of my taxes. 
They didn't really like that, by the way. <laughs> well, that's too darn bad because you're just speaking the truth. Yeah. I said Good I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Stay in your lane. I'm not really concerned about it. However, I did have a talk with my counselor after the meeting, and he's one of the ones that was supporting it. And I said, "Listen, you came to the door, and on, in your campaign, and we asked you, okay, Montreal is asking for C seventy one to, or no, handgun ban." And he goes, mm -hmm. "Yeah," he said. I don't really think that's a municipal, you know, thing that we should be doing. That needs to stay with the federal government because that's where the laws are made. And I said, and we voted for you. I said, apparently you, you lied. I said, you're not getting our votes again. Amos. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah. yeah, I was not happy. I also followed up with another email afterwards. So, um, what else did I do? Oh, I've had two week co-workers today, let alone this week. I had somebody yesterday. Two co-workers today ask about going shooting this weekend, so I'm going to be taking them out. I've been working on maple seed stuff, a lot of it. Adriel, I I sent something to Adriel last night at, what, 1230? Way too late. Way too late. <laughs> He's going, are you in bed? No, I don't sleep. Um, this weekend is CFE Kingston, so we're going to go and do a shoot there. Uh, what else? CCFR, Ladies' Days. We have so many happening across the country. We have uh, more that are being booked right now than all of last year in the first couple of months of, of this year. So I uh, wanted to say thank you to all the field officers for arranging those. But if you or your club across the country are interested in hosting and uh a ladies day event and having the ccfr sponsor it or help sponsor it then contact me you can do that at kelly.wheaton at firearmrights.ca so come and uh, send me an email because we'd like to introduce more ladies into the sport okay uh that's all i did with guns wasn't a lot neat just, just represent you know kingston and told them where they can take their c71 bill. doing all the boring political and activism work that the rest of us need to do yeah that is something you need to show up because that vote was very very close i do know that they had their minds kind of made up prior to going in and a couple of them changed their votes because of what their constituents want you have to be heard you have to go you have to email just that's plain and simple one guy was an er um, nurse he said i if i hadn't heard from my constituents i would have voted in support of this he said but i'm voting according to what my constituents want because that's who good man who, who elected me i'm representing yeah. them i'm not representing myself so i really appreciate that yeah me too that's the kind of common sense i want to hear from politicians at any level yeah. And he's not the type of guy, like I went over to him afterwards and shook his hand and said, thank you very much. You know, he's long haired. He's um, wearing flip flops. <laughs> he's, you know, a nurse. He's not the type of typical guy that would support gun ownership. But I went over and I said, thank you, because it's important. He, he represented his constituents, people that showed up who emailed. He listened to them. People need to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. Why don't we talk about uh, upcoming events? Uh, do you want to cover the Meaford Steel Challenge there, Adriel? Because I've just been talking a lot and need to drink. 
The Meaford Steel Challenge is open for registration. Match starts September 7th uh, at 8 a.m. The match ends the next day at 6 p.m. Uh, there's a site in on September 6th. Location for this will be at the 4th Canadian Division Training Centre just outside Meaford, Ontario, Canada. If you want to find that one, search on Facebook for MLRSC. That's Meaford Steel Challenge. Awesome. Uh, Ronnie DeGroote, you want to talk about that, Trevor? You, uh, you're arranging that, so you know more about that. Yep, the um, Ronnie, the fourth annual Ronnie Group Memorial Steel Challenge will take place at the Rescue Gun Club on Saturday, June first. Um, Check-in is at ten a.m. reasonable hour because I'll assume that you're going to be like me drinking the night before. Um, everything is done through Practice Score registration and payment through Practice Score. The links to register are all over Facebook. There's a an event for this, an event page for the um, fourth annual. Ronnie Group Moral Steel Challenge. It's also on the um, Rescue Sky Club Facebook page. Uh, cost is $25. You should bring 400 rounds of ammunition because it's steel. The minimum round counts 200 and you miss, obviously. So bring, bring double. We use USPSA Steel Challenge rules and stages. So you can actually go to YouTube and look up USPSA Steel Challenge and look up um, how to shoot them. There's tips and tricks on how to shoot smoke and hope, roundabout, accelerator, uh, five to go, outer limits. They're all on there. Um, those are the steel challenge stages that we use. A lot of fun. You can shoot nine millimeter handgun and up. You can shoot 22 pistol. You can shoot 22 rifle. You can also shoot a pistol caliber carbine. The divisions being offered are there on uh, practice score as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope to see you all there. But remember, you must register and pay through practice score. No walk-ons. Yes. No walk-ons. So if I'm there, never mind. I wanted to talk about Maple Seed. Maple Seed is heading out to the East Coast. Trevor, I'll be seeing you uh, first. We're driving mm -hmm. straight out. We're driving straight out to Restigouche. So we're heading out east and we're going to um, be heading out and having an event at Restigouche on May 31st. There's still spots available. Um, Brettlebane PEI. So just outside of Charlottetown on June 2nd, there's still spots available as well as Sunbury, which is just outside of Fredericton, uh, June 6th. There's still uh, spots available for those as well. This is the East Coast tour. Uh, everything uh, else has been sold out in the East Coast tour. Uh, we'll be covering West Coast or Western on Western Canada uh, when maybe next week. I just uh, wanted to put it out there for people to go. And if you're on the East Coast at all and you want to attend an event this year, those are the ones that still have spots left. You need to actually sign up for it and then come out and see us. You can go to our um Either our Facebook page, so Project Maple Seed, sign up through, uh, sign up there on the events uh, section, or you can go to uh, mapleseedrifleman.com and sign up through there on the event section as well. So, when we get into the news, Adriel, you put the CBC. I'm actually just looking for that right now. Uh, CBC had uh, a couple of things on Snapchat, a couple of uh, of different memes that they had popped up. And I'm just looking for the one. It looks like it was deleted. It might, it might have been like a copyright uh, infringement. 
because they had just copied straight up the uh, uh, the image from it. I can't find it. We'll have to move on to the next one. Okay, let's move on to the next one. What is it? The next one I put in there. It's oh, uh, I see. Yeah. It's a link to a website called Fight Back Rebuild the NFA. What uh, I, I as much as I would love to actually read this timeline to the listeners. The episode is running long, so what I would like to do is describe it and provide the link in the show notes. So if you're driving and listening to this, you know, or at home, whatever, if you go to the website, go to the show notes, you will find the link to this uh, website. It's very interesting. It's entitled How We Got Here, and it is a history of the NFA's debacle. All the, all the drama that has happened, the times, the dates, the locations, the people involved. Um, it actually starts off with, it's called Ancient History, and it tells you when the organization was founded, who founded it, who the presidents were, and then background to current issues. And um, there's articles uh, attached, uh, extra things attached, like uh, affidavits, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's a really, really interesting read and an eye opener if you're unaware of how, um, well, basically how Sheldon Clare destroyed the NFA. It's all right there in black and white and uh, incontestable. I think that's a word. If it's not, well, I'm pretty sure you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, nfa.myfreesites.net, and then there's a long URL after that. So maybe, yeah, put it in the show notes. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just uh, it's a really interesting read, and it uh, will fill you in on a lot of things. All of it, um, I would say I was aware of most of it because I lived through it because I was part of the NFA back then when the quote-unquote Rebel 5 started and the Sean Bevins came into power and then got fired. And anyway... All in all, it's always been about getting rid of Sheldon, and Sheldon has made it, so you can't get rid of him. And uh, that's why the uh, NFA is falling apart and has been falling apart forever and will continue to fall apart until Sheldon is either steps down or fired or whatever. But, yeah. So. So, we'll post that in the show notes. Uh, Adriel, you want to talk about this? You've developed this, and I'm sure that we'll put this in the show notes as well, but maybe we'll post Back. it on the Facebook page. Too. I'm posting it to Facebook right now. No, awesome. And uh, this is a we've done this in the past. Uh, this is a survey that uh, will help the listeners give us feedback on, on how to improve the show. Uh, so if you check out our Facebook page right now, uh, we've got that uh, that listener feedback survey there. We'd really appreciate if you guys can give us some uh, constructive feedback on how to improve the show and make things better. Yes. Constructive, honest, heartfelt feedback. Constructive. <laughs> Even if it's not constructive, it'll be funny. So what the hell? True. It's just true fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, everything's a contest. How can you make that a contest? I, we made it a contest. That we was like, a con- one of the questions in there is it is a contest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how. Mm, okay. Just like, talk- all those, just like all those popularity contests you won back in high school, Kelly. Oh, I know. Eh? <laughs> Trevor. You had those yes. back then? I love you too. 
the angrier she is, the more she loves me. She only tells me she loves me when she wants to kill me. <laughs> it's like a your lot. parents it's, using your yeah. middle name. There is a direct correlation between me saying love you to death and, and actually death. <laughs> <laughs> want to be dead. Uh, where's my counter? <laughs> All right. You're done. Exactly. I'm going to rip you guys stuff. Uh, yes, please. The WK180C, the bolt carriers, there are people are seeing, starting to get their refurbed new bolt, more new bolt carriers back and they're fixed. So there's that issue looks to be resolved. Uh, the GSG MP40, okay, we had a GSG MP40 in 22 in Canada. The nine millimeter got its FRT approved. So now Great. they're coming to Canada in restricted and non restricted oh. lengths. So if you really like the look of an MP40, can buy one and it won't be a gajillion dollars or prohib or 22 mm -hmm. ah. yeah proper oh, nine mil so where's that coming from wicked okay hold on the ak-47 blaze is prohibited but the mp-40 and nine mil good to go good to go it's <laughs> uh gsg is german i think yes yes yeah yeah so the right place for an mp-40 <laughs> correct mm-hmm Okay. Yes, this will be good. Uh, yeah, Lockhart Tactical. They've got this cool... I'm going to do a screen share here just so that anyone who's on the YouTube stream can see. They've got a real spacey-looking uh, brake. It's a clamp-on brake for your 12-gauge, so your Typhoons and that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's real spacey-looking. So if you're looking for a cool-looking brake... Uh, Super spacey-looking. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, hmm. Different models uh, uh, that will be um, compatible with different guns. Like, can I clamp this clamp on? on? It's clamp on, yeah. But it, will it work with my chokes? Oh, I don't know. All right. So here's something. While we're talking about brakes and, and and typhoons and shotguns, so the first generation typhoon that I have, the chokes screw over top the outside of the barrel. Mm -hmm. The new typhoons, they go on the inside. Just like they're supposed to. Love it. Yep. I think Mark was saying that. Yeah. Yep. Fine. Uh, that's okay. That's Steal my thunder. Give it to Mark. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, he did say that. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. If you're looking for a uh, poster for your uh, gun room, you know what? I should just share my screen again for this one because you got to check this one out. Uh, I think HK actually suggested this and now they're just going with it. They, uh, HK made oh, the image. Yes. And now. Is. You can buy a Gun Jesus uh, <laughs> poster that has You're the name Forgotten Weapons. <laughs> You're going to hell. It's a sweet looking poster, and I think like this is like some some design oh. company. So look, it's like they yeah, that, that's your gun room, right? Chair and a plant. Yeah, it's like and then somebody yeah. holding it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it's gonna look like in your house. Gun no, Jesus. Probably in your gun room. Yeah. Uh, and then what have we got last year? Tenda's, it just ended actually uh, a few hours ago here. They had a huge sale on, on stuff. They had 147 grain aluminum 9mm for two nineteen per thousand. Yeah, but it's past tense, so let's just... Had. They also had Savage 11 Scout Rifles in three hundred eight for five nineteen. Are we and in the past? Why are we talking about this? There was yeah. a 10% coupon off one, too. <laughs> oh. Did you buy it? No, I didn't. Well, then! Totally useless. Yeah. Totally. 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 Why don't we get into the main topic? 
All right, let's jump into our main topic. Joining us this week, we have Barrett Jones. Barrett, welcome to Slamfire Radio. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, thank you for uh, reaching out to me. And um, what you've actually done is you've allowed me to multitask, you see. Um, you asked me some questions through email, and rather than take the time and be professional answer your questions through email, I thought, you know, if this dude comes on the show, then I don't have to answer him in the email, and we'll have a main topic multitasking and anyone who asks the same questions just be like go watch the show yeah yeah it's all in the public record now it's in the it's in the domain <laughs> so you're, you're providing a public service jared or barrett sorry whether you knew it or not could we talk a minute about how awesome your your name is yes okay so did you change your name legally to barrett or is it just a happy coincidence uh, it is a happy coincidence. I have a very boring last name, so my parents picked something a little exciting. Uh, it turns out that Barrett Firearms started in about the same year. No and, way. Ah. And my brother's name happens to be Coulter, so my dad likes to retroactively <laughs> tease my mother that it's Colt 45 and Barrett at 82. Excellent. Is Ooh. your dad a gunny? Uh, a little bit. Okay, cool. So how many Barretts do you own? <laughs> Zero. Oh, it'd be a lot cooler if you did own one. <laughs> be a lot cooler if you did. Thank you, Adriel. <laughs> All right. Well, Barrett, why are we here? What do we want to talk about? Uh, so I'm in the midst of my first uh, sort of co-match director uh, experience coming uh -huh. up uh, at the end of June. And I'm also sort of involved with a match that we're doing this weekend. And I sent you a whole list of questions asking you did? about planning for a level three and the huge thing. Or, well, I sent you a short list, but okay. Well, we can go through those. Come on the show. Yeah, perfect. Because so, I don't think I looked at those questions. Uh, judging by the two-minute reply, probably not. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. As long as we're on the same page. <laughs> but I'll be happy to address them and answer them here. So. I got them written down for you. Awesome. All right. Well, why don't we begin then? What would you like to know? So I, I would say it's probably safe to say that SummerSlam is probably the biggest match outside of Nationals as far as Ipsic goes in this country. Um, popular, yes. Biggest, probably actually not. Okay. The match is big with regards to um, its, its round count, its stage count. But what we don't have is a tremendous amount of shooters participating. Um, we're restricted to two days. Typically I may look at expanding it and doing scheduling practice scores, making my life easier. Um, so it's certainly popular sells out right away, but as far as flooding the range with 300 competitors, no, I'm not doing that yet. Um, I wanted to see this year if I had the potential to do that. So what I did with practice score was I actually opened it up to 200 slots and those 200 slots filled up overnight and it's good and it's bad. They fill up overnight, and I, I open up registration very, very early. The match is done in August. I open registration up like the first week I get back to work in September, and it sells out pretty quick. And I do that for one one, one, reason, one reason I do that is because school year gets going. I get busy with other things. I want to check that off the list. I know it's going to sell out. Why don't we sell it out right away? The downside to the opening registration up that early is that it sells out and a lot of slots are taken by people who they don't know if they can get the time off yet. They don't know if they can get the, 
you know, all the other things they need to attend the match, but they know they got to grab that spot. So they grab the spot, they hold the spot until they find out if their vacation's approved or life happens and they got to pull out. So a lot of people take the spots early on and then end up canceling them. So I may next year, next, well, actually next one I do is going to be nationals and the registration process is going to be different. But when I get back to my regularly scheduled programming of SummerSlam, I think I'm going to start to open the um, registration up a little later in the year. And then those people that book in January for an August match probably know that they're in. Um, the dates are pretty much always the same. We juggle or we juggle around the nationals, uh, either before or after, depending on where the nationals is located. So, um, yeah, so it's not, it's not the biggest with, with regards to, uh, attendance, let's say. Right. So then what do you do with people who pull out? What do you do for So. You, you create a cancellation policy and you make it part of your registration package. When we used to register on a form, the cancellation policy was written on the form. Now everything is done through practice score. So when you register, the cancellation policy is somewhere on practice score, either in the welcome email that you get or in the match description. You just let it be known ahead of time. If you're going to cancel, you need to cancel by this date to get your refund. If it's after this date, you're not going to get a refund. And I have uh, refused to send people refunds. Um, I'm also a human being, contrary to popular belief, and I have allowed people to attend the following year and not pay because they paid me the year before and they had a really legitimate reason for no showing, like cancer treatments or a death in the family. I think those were the only two that got a pass. Um, but other than that, just make your cancellation policy known. And what I do too is... Um, just before because, you go too too far, I, I would say make it known and put it on a couple of different platforms because yeah. practice score, the email, Facebook, everything. Yeah. Like the, the the problem with, and I don't know if, if if this has happened to you going to a match, but you might not read everything that gets sent to you. Uh, Rick did that CRPS course out here. He sent an email. I glanced at it. There was probably about 15 minutes to 30 <laughs> minutes of stuff to read in there. I think I spent two reading it. And I yeah. think a lot of competitors do the same thing. Right. And uh, as a match director, I got to say that sounds like a you problem, right? It is a you problem. But if yeah. you want to make it less, if you want it to yes. reduce the number of complaints, you pump it everywhere. Yeah. And it does, you know, ultimately, though, like Adriel, we're trying to manage stupid. Um, yeah. There's always going to be somebody and who's lazy. always like Stupid we we hold gun club meetings. We have a bulletin board at the at the gun club that we post the 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 range closers and match dates on. We have a website that we post the range closers and match dates on, and we send multiple emails. And somebody is still going to show up during my Alex class this weekend and wonder why he can't shoot his deer rifle. Correct. Yes. So. So. One suggestion is when you're doing it on practice score, when they're going to go and register, put it there so that they can, uh, if they do read it, they make that decision before they hit the go button. Because yeah, right. putting it in a follow-up email, not so bueno. No. Well, it is okay in a follow-up email, but let them have that choice before they they register. Yeah, it's kind of like booking a hotel room. You should always know what the cancellation policy is before you start rambling off your credit card number. Yep. The other thing, Barrett, is um, when I say registration is closed, that that means like registration is closed. I'm not even taking people off the wait list by this time. And that is just because we are so understaffed that uh, I'm on the range every day for a month or two prior to the match, working and building stages and fine tuning things. And when I get home at 
seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, I'm not spending two more hours on the computer answering emails and processing refunds. I did that the first two years. I was like, this is nuts. So whatever we start with is what we start with. Now, is it ideal? No, but it's, it's how I can manage what I have to work with right now. If you have a, a large enough um, match committee, then you can assign somebody whose only purpose in life is to handle registrations. They answer the emails, they, they process the funding, they do the squatting, you know, it, but not everybody has a committee that large. But that's, that's what a, I've uh, been doing. Is yeah. My partner's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and I'm doing all the communication and oh, nice. all the match admin. Yeah. Yep. The previous match director, he put all the match admin on um, the former club president, who was also the range master for the match. He was a computer guy. The previous match director wasn't. So the previous match director, he took care of designing the stages, building the stages, and, and getting sponsorship. The other guy did everything, including the squatting, and they didn't know each other's jobs. Um, they both got one guy has gone to Alberta. The other guy has stepped back. And uh, so the match admin and lead construction has fallen you know, to me. So, but we've got some new people in the club who are really capable, really enthusiastic are stepping up more and more. Um, now I have trust issues, but I actually trust some of these people to perhaps take over some of this stuff in the near future. Well, no question nationals, obviously I'm not doing it all myself. So I will be, um, when you go through an IPSC RO program, especially the CRO program, they talk about match management in there and how many weeks it takes to plan and deliver a, a large match. And one of the first meetings, one of the agenda items is set your committees. So who's going to be responsible for the banquet? Who's going to be responsible for registration? Who's going to be responsible for sponsorship? You look at all, all the things that are required to put on a level three or higher competition. And each one of those, um, uh, elements of the match gets a committee and gets a committee chair. So Adriel's in charge of sponsorship. If the if the prize table at the match sucks, well, we lynch Adriel because that yeah, was Adriel's need one job. Throat to choke. You need someone yep. whose name is on the thing, so that yep. when when something's going wrong, you could say that's your thing to do. You agreed to do it. Do it. Yeah, and then stay in your lane. Don't don't be don't be trying to get over into somebody else's work. If you wanted that job, you should have taken it. You can have it next year. But for now. Get out there, pound the pavement, get me some prizes for the prize table, or answer the emails. Barrett, yes. How big of an how big is your match? Uh, the one this weekend is pushing two hundred people. Okay. And the, one... the one in June is one hundred and twenty each day for two days. Did you say what kind of match it was? Yeah, no. both are epic. Oh, okay. level three. Yeah, this weekend, yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, so, Did... how many people do you have involved, Trevor? Um, like five, six. Well, And can you give me an idea? I, I've I've talked to some of the people here who were at the last nationals at Restigouche, yeah, uh, and they described it as beyond rural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure now, now yeah. I've looked on the old Google Maps, yeah, and <laughs> uh, there's just sort of a pinpoint where it says there's a range there, mm -hmm. and I, I trust it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but then w when you talk to people who were at the nationals and they're like, yeah, it was uh, a four hour drive or a six hour drive from the airport. Um, 
I'm curious how, how how big is your range? How many bays do you have? What the, does it look the, like for people to come from Vancouver to that match? So the range the range is is awesome. It's huge. It's uh, almost eleven acres. Um, it's set have... up as an Ipsic range too. Like that's the thing. Yeah. It's not just a bunch of long range uh, bays or shotgun bays. There is along one side of it. Uh, just gobs of Ipsic bays, small little bays that you can use for uh, quick little stages. So you can fit a ton of stages in that in that range. Yeah, yeah. For, for for the nationals, I'm looking at 20 plus stages for the match, no, and it'll be no problem once I incorporate the rifle ranges. Um, so the facility is not the problem. The location, um, being in the asshole of the world, is the challenge. Uh, the nearest airport is an hour away, but it's a small, um, yeah, rural airport. There, there's two flights a day in and out of Montreal on Dash Eights. So you, you fly into Moncton and just yeah, drive up. That's it. You fly into Moncton, but then now we're talking about. He said between six and four hours. So if you do Halifax, it's and a six-hour drive. One? Yeah. If you do Moncton, it's a four-hour drive. Um, so some people will be coming from across the country, flying into Moncton, renting a car, driving to Resiga, shooting SummerSlam and leaving Monday morning for the nationals in Quebec. We did that in, um, 2017 when the nationals were in Halifax. No, sorry. 2016, um, 16 or 17. I can't remember anyway. Um, yeah, it was 16 because 17 was Calgary and 18 was Winnipeg. So, People flew in, rented their car, came to Resigush, and then went to Halifax and then flew home out of Halifax. That's where that six-hour drive comes in. So the, um, you know, we're in, we're in uh, northern New Brunswick. It is rural. Population is spread out. The range itself is, once you leave the pavement, you're driving on a dirt road for four kilometers into the bush before you get to where the range is. That's what a lot of ranges are. Like, a lot of the best yeah. ranges are out in the middle of nowhere, though. Sure, but they're a lot closer to a to a major center. How many major centers are there in New Brunswick, and what do you consider a major center? Like Moncton, I mean Calgary, I mean uh, Edmonton. You know, city does not exist in New Brunswick, so no, exactly, not going to get it. Yeah, no. When I meant when I said major center, I was not including the province of New Brunswick. (laughs) 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 The biggest major center is Halifax. That being said. Woodstock has just recently had their range renovated. If you renovate a range, I don't know. They, with very little work, could host the Nationals. They just don't know it yet, and they are handy to Fredericton. So you would be, um, you would want to, now, Woodstock is the closest community, and they'd be starving for hotels. Um, There's one quasi-decent hotel, but Woodstock would have a population probably of, Less than five. The, five no, five. no, 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 no. It's going to be in the neighborhood of ten thousand to twelve thousand really? people in the greater Woodstock area. Yeah, for oh, sure. Okay. Um, and there's just you know not a lot of hotels. So, uh, the if Woodstock was to ever host the nationals, realistically, people would be driving from Fredericton to the Woodstock range every day, and that would be an hour each way. But you know what? I did that when I went to the Calgary Nationals. I drove an hour every day to get to the range. wasn't the end of the world, except for that speeding yeah. ticket. Road pirates taking my money with cameras. What's that about? <laughs> you want my money? Look me in the eye. Write me a ticket. Be a man. So, Barrett, for your match, how yep. far do people have to drive? Yeah. Uh, so we are in P- 
Pitt Meadows, which is a suburb of Vancouver. It's probably an hour given good traffic from YVR. Okay. Uh, just from the Vancouver area, though, we filled those 120 slots for the level two qualifier in under three days. <laughs> 120 well, that, people for that. level two. It's amazing. Um, yeah. What me. else? So how, how many do you get for level two? Oh, I've heard you say um, before that you struggle with local uh, shoots. Um, a couple of years ago, I built a 12 stage genuine level two match for four people. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really took the wind out of my sails. I've I've not quite recovered from that one. Um, the last two matches, Alberta, Trevor, and put those on out here. The last two matches have had thirty plus competitors here in New Brunswick. Um, in Nova Scotia, they will do between fifty and seventy at a level two. Um, indoor matches all winter were so popular; they were always over seventy people and required multiple start times in order to, to pull off. So we just, you know, we don't have the population, right? We have literally one of the best Ipsic ranges in the entire country, but it's in the middle of nowhere. And we have um, a socioeconomic crisis out here where there's no middle class left. Almost. Um, you either work at the Tim Hortons or you own the Tim Hortons. There's, there's not much in between. So, um, we're struggling for, for people to participate in our sport for sure in this area. Right. Retention across the whole is a, is a nightmare in the province of New Brunswick. We've had a number of black badges and by the time we're done, we will have had five or six this spring. And uh, how many of those people are we going to keep? Maybe two or three from each class. Mm. Yeah. So. Retention's always sort of been a problem for us too, I think, but uh mm -hmm. We we are in the in the position where we're flush with people. There are so many people nearby who want to shoot, and what Ipsic BC does is they allot level two weekends all over the province, and a lot of people just don't drive. Mm -hmm. They don't go to fourteen Fort Saint John, which is a fourteen hour drive or something. So you get everybody from up north, but then there's no qualifier down here. So now we're moving more and more to club matches and just sort of informal throw it together and do it because there's lots of people right well why can't yeah. that club match be a level two all you need is six stages what's uh, why is everybody hankering for these quote-unquote qualifiers what are you qualifying for a spot on the provincial team uh, a made-up uh, number next to your name that's uh why we're going to the club matches just level ones because alberta has a lot of uh qualifiers i think we have like uh three qualifiers a month well yeah. what are you guys qualifying for i don't know exactly <laughs> You're not arguing with me. I don't. I don't no, know. I know. It's just, uh, yeah. I hear all these qualifying matches all the time. I keep wondering what people are qualifying for. Yeah, The only thing you need to, uh, the the there's nothing to qualify for. You can go to the nationals if you register in time. It's just a question of whether or not you're wearing a jersey and representing your province. Yeah, yeah. It's only for team points and your uh, your classification. Your classification, which is completely useless and means nothing in Canada because we're not using a standard classification system. So you're a B shooter in BC that may make you an A in Quebec or it might make you a C in, in uh, Alberta. Yep. Until we all adopt a universal classification system for the country, uh, <laughs> to classifications, they mean nothing. 
Uh, what does New Brunswick do for classifications? We don't. Screw classifications. They mean nothing. All right. You want to get on a team? Uh, it used to be based solely on your on your performance at the provincials, but now we've got a system in place where you're required to shoot X number of level two matches, a level three, the provincial, and your percentage based on how you finished will be sent to NASA and they'll do some calculations and come back and tell us who's on our team. Right. So there's no such thing as a classifier match or a classification match. If you want to be on the team, you will shoot this many matches. One of them has to be the provincial. One of them has to be a level three, yada, yada, yada. And then based on your performance at those matches, we'll pick our teams at the end of the day, because New Brunswick is so small, We'll pick teams based on, hey, who can afford to go to the provincials and wants to? <laughs> yeah. True story. Yeah. True story. You know, but what we didn't want to do is we didn't want to have some guy get bumped off of a team. He tried his darndest all season. He shot production all season. He put in his time. He got better all season. Um, but he wasn't going to win the match, but he was going to be in the top five at the provincial, let's say. And then Mo puts down his open gun, shows up with his production gun, and screws this guy. Correct. So we, it was. It wasn't. Yep. It wasn't um, logical or fair to base your provincial team slots on one and one match only. Because let's face it, Mo Hepworth cannot shoot a match all year, show up to provincials, and pretty much take whatever division he wants. So we had so what, to uh, balance it. Yeah. What other questions did you have about uh, running a major match there? Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you start as soon as the uh, you start planning next year as soon as the uh, current Correct. year is yep. done, right? You yep. hand out the trophies and you get started on next year. Yep. Well, we could talk about like what you'd want to plan early. You'd want to make sure that you've got the date booked with your range. That needs to happen early. Um, you'd want to make sure that you start getting sponsors because sponsors generally like plan their year out pretty early on in the year. Yep. So you can't... January. Yeah, you can't be asking in May or June for a sponsorship when January is really the right time to ask for it. Um, what else would you want to do ahead of time, guys? Uh, start your committees. Make sure everybody, and then have backup to those committees. Like instead of just one person doing it, have two people um, working on it. Um, start working on. Um, uh, even volunteers. So if you're going to be having a two or three day, you're going to need volunteers. So, mm-hmm. well, you get organized. You have a list of the things that yeah. need to happen in order to pull off a big match, and you make a spreadsheet, and then you have your first meeting, and then you assign the committee skills responsibilities. That's a good point. Yeah. So uh, a, a spreadsheet with the uh, work duties, and then you assign yeah. at the at the meeting. Put yeah. someone's yeah. name next to the thing so that yep. you've got the throat to choke. Yeah, I'm not not reiterating because you guys need to know this. I'm just saying it for listeners, right? Of course, we used we used to hold these meetings when I first started. Then it got to the point where you get to the meeting, and I'd go down the list and say, "I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that." Like in the first couple of weeks after SummerSlam, Barrett, like I call and make sure that I've got plaques I need for my awards. I do that a year in advance. I book my porta potties a year in advance. I call the hotel and put a block of rooms aside a year in advance. You don't know how many yep. hobo trailer trash people were pissed off at me that they couldn't get that hotel for their wedding because I booked it a year in advance, right? 
Like does I did you a favor. Your marriage is going to fall apart in six months. You're welcome. So, um, and when there's only one good hotel in town, you, you best book it a year in advance, right? Yeah. So they know, they know me by name now when I call up, Oh, it's the Ipsic guy again. All right. How many rooms this time? Here's your price, right? Cool. Same thing with catering. If you're going to be having something on this in the summer, people are getting married. You yep. want somebody to cater it. You're going to need to book them a year in advance because Kelly, Kelly will be all over you. <laughs> I almost had one of them, their anxiety panic machines a couple of weeks ago. I called Chris freaking out. I didn't think I booked the caterer for SummerSlam for the banquet. And he's yeah, like, you did. I already know you did. We talked about it. He, Chris is like, you didn't book him. I booked him. I was like, Oh, thank God. Oh. I'm not talking range food. Range food. Oh. is Yeah. Although I did forget to book my, my smoke in the water guy for the steel challenge, but luckily he was available. So nice. he's good. Yeah. He's, I, I would have actually heard, had to hurt you. Uh, yeah, and and I would have let you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what else, Barrett? Well, this year for our, uh, for our range food, we booked a food truck that just comes to every single match that we host. Of Oh, beautiful. You're smart. Yeah, that's okay. awesome. Well, they're, yeah, they're awesome. They camp up there overnight and cook and, some of the garbage food we used to have was uh, yeah. just not edible. You know, and uh, we used to like struggle to get club volunteers to do it. Like they'd have to get money from the club, go to the grocery store, buy the food, take it home, take it to the range, cook it. Then there's leftovers of this, that. And what? We make $30 on a barbecue. I ain't got time for that noise. I don't want your $30. I don't want to bother my volunteers cooking. And I don't want to bother trying to find volunteers. Call up a food truck and if people get poisoning, that's their problem. Like it's not your problem. No, yeah. no. Let a pro do it and just. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how about PCC and stuff? I see you shooting indoors during the winter. Yep. Uh, are you incorporating PCC into your matches? Absolutely. If um, so, PCC is a di discipline, not a division, but in Canada. You were allowed to, maybe other regions as well, but in Canada, what you're allowed to do is you're allowed to run a PCC match simultaneously to your pistol match using the same stages. Okay. Yep. And then you score everybody the same in practice score, but it's actually a separate match on paper, technically behind the scenes where no one can see or care. It's a separate match. Um, but for simplicity's sake, you score it on the same tablet in the same match and you post it on the internet where the overall counts for everything we all know that if you're not winning overall then you might as well quit the sport right so overall is not actually a thing and it doesn't count and those of you that are looking at it need to give your head to shake if a pcc guy doesn't start with his hands on the wall and you're shooting a revolver or a production gun and you're concerned you need to get over yourself because he's not even in the same match as you so don't go to the match director and say well how come the pcc guys got to shoot it this way <sighs> are there a yeah. lot of people shooting pcc i i tried uh, opening a division in our three gun matches for pcc i had like no interest there's a handful it hasn't caught on yet but you know now as far as SummerSlam goes barrett what i have to do if i want level three sanctioning approval for pcc I will need to resubmit my stages with updated start positions and firearm ready conditions to meet the PCC rulebook requirements and get a whole different sanctioning at the match. I would literally put up the pistol stage description 
next to the PCC stage description. And if I wanted to get incredibly technical, I would actually run a separate tablet for the PCC shooters because it's a level three. I don't have enough guys registered. If I had 10 guys registered, I would be all over doing that because there's a president's medal on the line. And who wouldn't want to be the first PCC president's medal winner in Canada? As far as I know, I won the first level three match with a PCC, but there wasn't 10 guys, so there's no medal, so whatever. It, it doesn't count. Um, if I had 10 guys registered in PCC, oh, I'd be all over doing everything by the book so that guy could, uh, could get the first president's medal. The Nationals say they're not offering PCC because the Quebec CFO won't allow it in Ipsic. Hmm. That's funny. Seems to me the reason why they're going to Valcartier is because the CFO doesn't have any re any jurisdiction there because it's a military base. Yep. How does so the what? CFO like have an opinion about IPSC matches anyway? Because it's because it's Quebecistan, mm. and he tells them what they can and can't do. Yeah. So, um, like you know, you know, you like can't move forward or you can't move forward or backwards in Quebec, right? You knew that. If you're running PCC, you could run out in the bush. Yeah, well, assuming you have a non-restricted PCC, yeah. the best PCCs are ARs and are restricted. So, mm -hmm. so anyway, Adriel, um, it is what it is. They said no PCC, but the reason they gave was CFO, but the CFO doesn't have any authority at the Valcartier base. And that's why the match is there. So no PCC at nationals this year. Um, I imagine it will be offered in Ontario and next year, and it will certainly be offered at every match that I'm a match director at. So not revolver though. I don't offer revolver anymore. Or production optics light. That's dumb. <laughs> so it is. Yeah. So at what point do you think everything's sort of put to bed that you're golden? After my squads are set, my range buckets are assembled. And after after the pre match. After the because if we run into any hiccups during the pre-match, we fix them. So we do our pre-match on Wednesday, Thursday, and then we reset the range and put up fresh targets on Friday. So we're ready to roll Saturday morning. So I feel absolutely confident that everything's going to be fine at the end of my pre-match. Um, another big milestone is when my squatting is done, and then. I mean, SummerSlam now is pretty much plug and play, right? We've got our own set of everything, radios, timers, staplers. So we just set up squad buckets. It's 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 kind of, if you didn't have to self-RO, it's a mini nationals with right. as far as the, you know, the logistics goes and the administration. Right. So then you do all the squatting. It's not all just uh, self-squatted on practice score or something. Yeah. The reason why I have to manage the squatting myself is because we self-RO. We don't have a dedicated CRO per stage who welcomes you, gives you a walkthrough, demonstrates the start position, and then has a team of ROs and ROers and patchers to run it for you. We have a dedicated CRO per squad and travels with the squad. Tell me what you need to squads. do, Trevor. You need to put a reserved spot in each squad and then still let people put themselves in whatever squad they want to and then it'll always leave that one spot available so you can start the problem. CRO. No, because the CRO doesn't RO. The, the reason why I have to do the, uh, the squatting myself is because I have to make sure that I have at least three ROs and a CRO per squad. Per squad. So then leave four spots reserved by you? 
And then so I assign a CRO and three arrows and then to a squad and let people just jump in wherever they want. Mm-hmm. Those four people per squad are going to get pissed off about something. So okay. luckily, yeah. I've been lucky so far where it's like, you know, five or six guys, you know, can you squat us together? Can you squat us together? And um, this is the first year I'm not getting inundated with squatting requests. Normally I do because we used to do everything through email. You'd download the form, you'd fill it out, you'd scan it, email it back. And then it was always like I'd get seven seven registration sheets in one PDF form saying, put us seven together. And then I'd look and go, all right, these guys aren't douchebags. I don't have to worry about them cheating. And, um, of the seven, four of them are ROs, no problem. So, yeah, I've ran into that problem where there's a squad of, there's about 12 people that want to shoot with one guy and yep. there's one RO among them all. And yep. you're like, great. What do I, I can't do anything with this. The Quebec shooters are like that. They're notorious for, they all want to shoot with this one dude. And this one dude is not asked to shoot with anybody. He doesn't care. <laughs> they all want to shoot with him. Yeah. So they overlap sometimes like this guy and this guy want to be in this squad and this guy and this guy want to be in that squad, but then they want to be in each other's squad. Oh man. So I need to go to a format and it's not a popular format, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. Work a half a day, shoot a half a day. See, that's what we do out here in BC. Yeah. Like it or lump it. That's how it is. Right. And the way that it typically works is if you're the host range, your mm-hmm. uh, CROs will work in the morning on the first day. Mm-hmm. And that way everybody kind of knows what they're doing and they go and yep. set up and they put the last touches on hang targets and stuff. It rains a lot here, so we don't hang targets the day before. We hang them in the morning. And then on the second day, we swap the schedule. So you shoot one morning, one afternoon, 99% of the time. Right. Is that more efficient than the idea of just having the squads going through? Like, I, I like the idea of what just it, having my belt on or off. Efficiency, it's, it's what it is. So it gives two things, Adriel. You get consistency in the application of the rules because you have dedicated staff. Mm-hmm. You also just shoot. You either just work or you just shoot. The way we do I it like now yeah. is, yeah, everybody has to chip in. And there's always that one lazy current that doesn't want to get off his stool to go patch. <laughs> There's a couple guys who always seem to end up patching those two closest targets and nothing else. Yep. Yeah. That's what we do, and it works well. I'm not sure if it's the best system, but it works pretty well. And then it works pretty well if you want to have dedicated staff. And, you know, when I'm shooting, I'm just shooting. When I'm working, I'm just working. Some people hate the idea of working before they shoot. Whatever. Well, then uh, at our provincials, we have a little bit different format normally it's usually a three-day match Mm -hmm. and you work one full day and then you work or then you shoot two half days yeah that's that's a miniature nationals that's exactly how the nationals goes and so i would have to switch SummerSlam to that that's that's the format for SummerSlam going forward work one full day shoot two half days that's the way to do it i just I've never been taught how to schedule that way. I don't have any experience scheduling that way. And I'm having a hard time to connect with people who can teach me how to do it. But after nationals, I will have learned how to schedule, right? I will go through the process with those in the know. They will teach me this. And SummerSlam from now on will be like, that's how it'll be. Yeah. 
Well, what we did at this last year's one, because I was sort of peripherally involved, was uh, after your work day, you got a bit of a sleep in, you shot in the afternoon, mm -hmm. and then you had to come back and shoot in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, you got to alternate. When um, when I was in archery, you only you shot one morning, you shot one afternoon. You never shot two afternoons. You never shot two mornings. You always got a bit of a taste of each, right? So, right. Um, Spring Bang is uh, an indoor two day match in Halifax, and I think they went three days this year. They did a Friday night squad, then a Saturday and a Sunday, and we shot on Saturday. And I started off working first thing in the morning. So I had to work. And then when that group of squads were done, I think there was three squads we worked. The last squad that, that shot that I worked then became the work team and we shot. And uh, it was the first time I had done that. And it was he had no choice. It was the only way the master director could get through as many people as he needed to. And I thought it worked fine. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what else, Barrett? Sorry. Uh, so do you um, do you have a template for a match for like when things are accomplished? Like these things I do a year out, these things three mm -hmm. months, six mm -hmm. months. Uh, yep. Is that just experience or is there something that you've based that off of? Yep. When I took over as match director, the person who was doing the administration before had that activity. What the, what, what's the name of the document? He's got a special name for it here. Um, activity report. And basically, it was from all the planning meetings for the Nationals. Right. And he gave that to me, and I just uh, started using it. Now I don't even look at it. But in the beginning, I used to look at it. Um, and like I said, we used to meet last year. I don't think we even met. We just, rather than get everybody in the same room at the same time where they can tell jokes and, and be distracting, I just call people individually and say, all right, this is what you're doing. This is what I need you to do and stuff like that. If you're somewhat tech savvy or your volunteers are somewhat tech savvy as well, something like a, a shared Google Sheet is really yeah. handy because then multiple people can see the list, see what they're responsible for, check their name off or update statuses. And you don't have to have those face to face meetings that are archaic and not yeah. super necessary. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, my, my I, I would say that would be just me organizing that. <laughs> uh, a lot of people willing to help, uh, but a lot wow. of the computer stuff has fallen to me because everybody else is just like, no, I'm just going to call and get it done. And, uh, versus updating a spreadsheet. Cool. Yep. Any uh, any last questions for us? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it. Oh. Okay. Giddy up. So when's your, when's your matches again? Uh, I'm doing one this weekend, and then June 29-30 is my first actual co-match director uh, position. All sold out. All sold out. So I posted it on March 18th, and it was that was the, the Monday, and it was done by Thursday. I think I locked it down. I think one of the one of the cool things I've I've pulled picked up is is by going to other people's matches and seeing what I really like. Uh, there's been a couple things where it's like, oh man, that was that was awesome. I need that. And like that's such a nice little creature comfort or some a nice little touch that didn't take that much time or something that I saw lo like lacking in our matches where um, it was really useful seeing other how other people do it. Yeah, that's how we ended up with the food truck. Is one guy booked it for like a little redneck club match thing, and 
the the other sort of nearest ranges to us book them uh, mm. we booked them for every uh, event that we host this year and it was just like they're happy to come we're happy to have them just pay them the money and have decent food yeah yeah exactly cool all right well barrett thanks man it was a lot of fun um it, thanks for having it, me it was our pleasure um talking about match administration reminds me of all the things i have yet to do <laughs> I, I ordered trophies this morning oh nice yeah. uh, is everything spelled right just make sure <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're going off a template from a past uh one i sent them photos of the wall here and yeah still check after you get them yeah yeah it's a good idea uh, ask us how we know <laughs> how, do you, how do you know trevor well when your trophy lady has her son do them podcast turns into podcart who was it oh that's where podcart came from that's where podcart came from and we gave out about half the year what's that who was this guy's not, teacher not me he's in the french school so what do you want right <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it was a language issue. That's why. That's what it was. It was a language issue. Yeah. <sighs> Goodness. But yeah, I do need to check and make sure I have enough of those uh, New Brunswick plaques cut out. I better add that to my list. Very good. All right. Well, thanks, Barrett. We will uh, we will catch you next time and uh, keep us posted and let us know how things go. Will do. Thank All you. Right. Thanks once again to Barrett. I love his name. I know. He, I also, he is kind of cute. So <laughs> he's doing the Bradley Cooper thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listener feedback. Who's been paying attention to Apparently Trevor, you have, because this is brought to you by the letter H tonight. That was the only time that and, and, uh, yeah. Nope. Uh, what's this? Tre at Trevor Ginger here from the Thompson Corner match this past weekend. Not only was it my first match, that was only my fourth time on the range since getting You're my restricted. Trouble. You're in mm. trouble. Holy. <laughs> That's his first time at the uh, fourth time at the range. <clears throat> Going to have to disqualify him from, from the Ipsic program because clearly when you register for a black badge, the prerequisites require you to have more time on the range than that. So I'm sorry. You're going to have to try again next year. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Filthy says, Trevor, the dot on my optic is two MOA, not six. Just to let you know. Yeah, right. I think mine must be two. They're tiny, tiny. Okay. Uh, what else? Uh, Paper racer talking about Ginger was just ahead of me in the match. I must have found a new nemesis for my class. <laughs> yeah, we'll put. So I guess that's it, right? We got a new Ginger. All right, so James okay. needs a new nickname. Well, so. Ginger is still Ginger Snaps. This guy's not even that much of a ginger. I just looked quickly at the corner of my eye and thought he was a ginger. But I, I just uh, his hair is pretty dark, but his his beard's pretty gin gingery. It's a perfect. It's a perfect way to get a nickname for for no particular reason. Yeah. <laughs> like Muffin, right? He's anything but a muffin. He's a cranky six foot two Acadian who hates everything and everyone. So we call him Muffin, ironically. So he's a nice guy, though. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. I guess there's one. Yeah. Uh, Greg May also wants to know if there's a Tim Hortons located close to Dalhousie. There's one in Dalhousie That's what and I said. two in Camelton. He said that he needed it because of um, Stacy and Kelly. We need our coffee in the morning. If not, he can't live with us. <laughs> oh, my God. He would know. 
<laughs> he does know. Mm -hmm. Boyd wants 65 bucks to ship that piece of wood across the border. Yeah. <sighs> nope. Hey. Ship oh, two. never mind. We'll get to it when I give my shout outs. Listener feedback. Let's get to that. Um, listener feedback is sponsored by Armory DC Gunsmith. Armory DC's Gunsmith is a full-service gunsmith who specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers top bluing, parkerizing, Cerakote finishes, as well as wood refinishing. Check him out online. Check out his online inventory of new and used guns, firearms, accessories, optics, and more at www.dcgunsmith.ca. You can also find him on Facebook and Instagram. I follow him, so go over there and follow him. And Trevor, you're not working there anymore, are you? Or are you, you still working there? No, I haven't worked there in months. He's got a no. he's got a guy. He's got a guy. Good guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was kind of working there when I was doing the. Um, I, I refinished Captain Andy's um, carbine, and then I did the prep work for the Lee Enfield and the prep you're work for the Grand. And not really. Like, I don't go yeah. in on a regular basis, but. Yeah, you're still going in. You're still doing Yeah, that. yeah. Still going in and torment them. Okay. Uh, why don't, why don't uh, I read the one from Colin? Hey, guys. Uh, what steps do you take to prevent rust when storing your guns? What types of oil do you use? And also, what are your thoughts on silicone-treated gun stocks? Thank you, Colin. I live in Alberta. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not that weather. I just ballast all them, cover yeah. them in ballast all, especially the barrels um, and the bores of the barrels. And then uh, the ballast all, when you clean it out later, it's a great at uh, de-letting the barrel. I had no idea. Yeah. Had a revolver that I had cleaned and thought was clean, and then I sprayed some oil in it and let their ballast all. And then in the spring, when I went to clean it, I couldn't believe the oil that came out or the uh, lead that came out. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, just, just any like whatever gun oil, just cover all the parts that might rust in, in oil, thin coat of oil. Um, yeah, silicone treated gun socks. I, I got nothing. You guys, I use a safe, I, I've got a safe with a uh, desiccant pack in it just to like even out the uh, rises in humidity, but nah. and oil. I like if, for anything like there's, there's um, your shotgun outsides of the barrel. I would oil those if you got one new because they don't come oiled from the factory and those will rust. Yeah. Mm. The other thing is make sure you take your guns out of any of your bags. Your and don't, bag don't leave it in yeah. a foam rifle no. case. It will rust the yeah. water. They'll get stuck in there and you're screwed. Yep. Yeah. And but you take them out. However, like if you were shooting in the winter time, when you take your cased firearm into the house, let it warm up inside the case first. Yep. You just open up that case and expose the firearm to the warm air in the house. So it'll cause it, condensation on the gun. Yeah. 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 Bring them into the garage if you can. Let them spare for a few hours. Bring them. Whatever. Just let them warm up in the case. We're used to taking, after maple seeds, we're used to making sure that everything's all nice and oiled up because it rains all the time when we have our vents. <laughs> all the time. Uh, Trevor, this one's for you, so why don't you read it? It's from Ryan. Okay. Uh, Ryan says, hey, Trevor, just heard that you bought the CZP10F and you love it. You mentioned that the that it's a big gun, so my question is, do you have any idea how it would compare it to a, to the Glock 34 with a large backstrap on it? I have very large hands and want a good gun that fits me. P.S. I hope you guys are going to TACCOM show and would love to meet up and have sandwiches and share scotch. 
Oh man. Oh, and mine's a six too. Um, yeah, Tapcom. I won't be there, Kelly. You 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 typically I'm, go to. A I'm okay. So Tapcom, same weekend as the Meaford Steel Challenge. I am booking off so that I can go to the Meaford Steel Challenge, but I will probably be going to Tapcom, working at the CCFR booth. Probably. I don't know. Maybe. I was just talking to Kelly about that. Uh, so simply yes, you're going to be there with. Uh, with okay, so on the on the Friday because it's the sixth, seventh, eighth. So I'll be there probably on the Friday. The, the Friday. There we yeah. go. Cool. All right, Adriel, let's switch the camera over to me. Uh, say something. I'm saying something about stuff okay. and things. Okay. So Ryan, you're gonna have to go back and watch the video to really appreciate the full effect of what I'm gonna do here. So this is my CZ. There it comes with three back straps. This is the small back strap. And I'm holding it up to the gun, which currently has the large back strap installed. This is the medium back strap. You can now, say it has it has a pleasing round shape on the yeah. on the rear end with that it's large what, there. It's what you would describe as arched, so um, kind of similar to the to the back of a Glock, but really you can't compare this grip to a Glock grip. Um, if you look from the bottom up inside the magwell, you'll see that the width of the grip is not as large as a Glock to begin with. So you're losing some width here, and with the largest backstrap on the Glock, you're you're larger than what the back of the CZ is. Mm. So the the overall circumference of the CZ grip is smaller than the Glock. And when you put the largest backstrap on the CZ, it's still smaller than a Glock with its largest backstrap. So unfortunately, although we say this gun is big, it may not be big enough for you. So there's my hand. And I have what I would call medium size hands with Hobbit thumbs. So this is how much of a perch I get on the gun here for the listeners. I'm holding the gun up to the camera with my fingers wrapped around the grip and kind of showing him how and much you've got about a finger on the bottom there of extra grip. Yeah. Well, that doesn't matter. It, we're not talking right. about how yeah. long the grip is here. We're talking about the, the, how thick, how round, how, how if large had, the grip if is. He has large hands. He's going to appreciate that gun because he's going to get a little bit more on the bottom, but he may not, it may not be as full in his hands compared to the 34. Yep, and, and that's a valid point, Adriel, that I didn't consider. So you're right, you're 100% right. Yeah, his hand would go farther down on the grip and not be all bunched up under the trigger guard. He may have some breathing room. But as you can see, you know, um, I'm not exactly burying this thing in my hand. So, so anyway, I hope that helps. Um, short answer, even with the largest back strap, it's smaller than a Glock 34. Because the Glock 34 is... Uh, biggest back strap has it, it comes into the beaver, beaver tail. tail as well, so yeah, it has a beaver tail, yeah. yeah, built into it. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. cool. If you would like to email the show, you can do so by emailing slamfireradio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, by the way. Do it. Uh, shout outs. Uh, I've got one to Sean from ATRS for loaning me his rifle for the match and for the review. And then one to Rick. He sent a thank you for putting yeah. them up. And he sent me a coin. One of, yeah. one of the founders coins for CRPS. Yeah, those are those cool. Are very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get one. I need to get one. <laughs> 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 
get one. It's a very nice coin. Yes. You have a reservation for a Kelly Weiner. Okay, Trevor. Enough. <laughs> Do you have a shout out? It's not written here. Then obviously I don't because I oh. fill out my show notes. Oh, well, I was just being nice. I have a shout out. It's for Spencer. And I just want to say, I know, right? Uh, oh, Spencer. Oh, imagine. <laughs> Trevor? Yes. Are they in the mill yet? <laughs> Hell no. I'm looking at they're on the wall over there. Yeah. Some stuff happened. I was going to mail them. Then my mom died. So excuse uh, the hell out of me. Yeah. I went all the way there. Right at the gate. What happened between last week when you said, oh, I should really mail those and this week when we recorded? Um, planning of stuff that was more important than mailing your guns. <laughs> Going to matches. CCFR, uh-huh. RSO program, Black mm-hmm. Bat stages, maybe next week. No, don't worry about it. I'm there the week after. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. I screwed yeah. this up so bad. Uh-huh. Remember when I said I'd like you to mail them so that we can yep. do some no, stuff and I was, with yes, them so yeah. that we can use them? Yep. And, yeah. Yep. I was going to, too, but then my mom died, and so I just Stop never got to keep, keep curling up. <laughs> Seriously, maybe the excuse working. next week too. No, well, that uh, was that was actually the only excuse I had. Some time has gone by since then, and I still haven't mailed them. You're right. My bad. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. Because okay, not worrying about stuff is something I'm great at. But I want a refund on my shipping. Well, you already got like a smoking deal. I knocked oh, money off. On. Like no. You want me to tell people what you paid for these shipped? I don't care. But you're right. You were supposed to get the the shipping was supposed to be built in. So I will give you 25 bucks because that's probably what it would have cost me to ship them. That's how much I paid you to ship them. I guess done publicly negotiating on the, (laughs) on this purchase. You want to talk about how unpractical running is? (laughs) (laughs) Not anymore. All right. And end this thing, Kelly. (laughs) All right, let's let's finish this. Uh, we have a couple of new Patreonies. Uh, we have Darren Ostapowicz. Thank you. Uh, Darren's one of our IITs, by the way, for Project Maple Seed. He's sponsoring okay. us for 10 okay. bucks. Woo. Holy crap. Maple Seed's paying him way too much. He was listening today. He was watching tonight as well. And also, Ryan, A, he's sponsoring us for $5. Thanks very much, you guys. And please send your addresses and emails everything well if you're sending it in an email your address in an email uh, send that to slamfireradio at gmail.com uh hey uh adriel have you sent out anything recently not in the last week but okay. two and a half weeks ago i sent to everyone who had emailed in their address so if you haven't received anything yep. send us your address again yes and then we can, well, it's going to be Adriel. And the reality is he's going to make his kids do it. Mm-hmm. So they will send you out your stickers, your patches. Great. They're probably going to write podcard on the envelope. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if you're lucky. If you're lucky, you get podcard. Uh-huh. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us on Patreon. There's other ways you can support us as well. You can go onto our website and click on the tab for Cabela's. So if you're going to go shopping at Cabela's anyways, why don't you just come on over to our website, click on that tab. We get a little bit of a kickback for it and it helps us keep putting out content. Someone bought something this month. I checked. Thank you. 
Uh, also, please join one or more of our national firearms associations like the CCFR. They are showing up at city halls in Kingston, Ontario, and they're making a difference. So why don't you join them so that they can help support you and your shooting. Also, check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. We do have a thread there. And why don't you actually talk to us? Or why don't you talk to us? And then we will talk back to you. And also give us a like on Facebook. It's uh, 2,127 likes. Do we know what were? Did we look at any orphanages or anything? <laughs> I mean, we talk a big talk. But uh, ultimately, we we're still didn't find a, an orphanage to target. Or yeah. look for one. No. Okay. I didn't find one, but yeah. Is that the one that you came from? (laughs) Okay. So why don't we just say goodnight, everyone? Goodnight, everyone. Goodnight, everyone. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.